Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. My name is Joe Armstrong, and welcome to the 100th episode of Independence Day. Several years ago, after the American economy nearly collapsed, I was looking for a new direction in my life. I had spent the last two decades working in different facets of the music business, or working some combination of random jobs that would facilitate my compulsion to work in music. A dear friend encouraged me to try and shake something loose in my life by taking a class. In what I responded, in anything, said my friend. Radio seemed as logical as anything to me, so I enrolled in a radio production class at a local community college. I was a lot older than most of my classmates, but the work was fun, and much of the technology of radio was akin to the technology of music. When it came time for the final project, everyone in class was assigned to produce a 15-minute radio program, and I needed a topic. I opened a beer, and I mulled my options. As technology had proliferated in the music business, I couldn't help but notice the sea change that was taking place. The old model of how music was made and shared was gone, but nothing seemingly cohesive or viable had taken its place. I knew that I spent a lot of time talking about this topic, and I also knew that I knew a lot of musicians. I hatched an idea to put the two together, and Independence Day was born, and I got an A. Over the last three years and 99 shows, I have learned that there are as many ways to navigate the new music paradigm as there are artists navigating it. Independence Day continues to provide a forum for artists to talk about how they make music in the new millennium, how things have changed, and how they never will. To celebrate the first 100 episodes of Independence Day, I decided to host a live event and invite everyone who had been on the show so I could check in on what they've been up to. Tonight's episode is comprised of those interviews, along with the debut of a brand new song. So thank you for listening, and here's to a thousand more. We all do this in this town and around the world. And uh, I kind of want to break down the barrier between here and there. You are listening to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. I say that every Wednesday for the last hundred shows. I'm sitting here with someone who was part of the show before the show was a show. Her name is Sarah Barker. She is a professor of, what are you a professor of exactly? Television and radio production. Television and radio sounds so serious. <laughs> Doesn't it? At Pasadena City College. And I was looking for a new direction in my life. Load these, I don't know, five or so years ago. And I went, I wanted to take a radio production class because I had a radio, I did radio in college just for fun. I enjoyed it. I could yammer and play music and it was cool. So I went in, but you guys were in the middle of your year and I, I, I like talked you into letting me into your <laughs> second class. Mm-hmm. So what, what, did, what was it like to have this guy like roll in <laughs> who's like your age to talk you into being in this radio class? 
You know, it's great. In fact, I was just talking about this earlier that th- that actually happened to me again today. And, it, and I thought of you because someone actually came in and he had started his career in a different field and he was looking to transition. And I love that. You know, I love that about community college. I love that we can reinvent ourselves anytime we want. And I get very excited when, when, when people like you come in uh, because I know that anybody who's coming in at that place in their life, it's because they really are really sure about what they want to do. And so they're more invested emotionally, and that passion is there. You know, I don't have to talk them into it. I don't have to state my case. They're already invested, and that just makes for a really exciting climate, I think, in the classroom. Uh, so, I mean, what has changed about the station, you know, since the show started like three years ago? No, I mean, I'm no longer doing the show there, but, well, I mean, what's going on with PCC Radio, Lancer Radio? Uh, you know, it's... um. It's going through a lot of different changes right now. I mean, you know, uh, one thing that you got to experience when you were there was that we, you know, we got to move into the new location. We lost our beloved station manager, Valentino Rivera, who was your sound engineer for those many He's years. He's a Jedi Knight. He Valentino is a Jedi Rivera. Knight. And, you know, his passion is incomparable. And so he's, it's a tremendous loss. I mean, I really miss him a lot. I think the students miss him. And I think we're still trying to, speaking of, you know, reinventing yourself, uh, to be to be perfectly frank, since Valentino left, we're, we're trying to reinvent ourselves. We have a new yeah. station manager, and um, he's a little bit irreplaceable. So yeah. I don't know if he's aware of that, but if, if you're listening, Valentino, you are irreplaceable in my book. Um, so, you know, we're just trying to kind of get a handle on, you know, what, what do we want Lancer Radio to be? Um, and then, of course, there's always the, the stuff you can and can't do according to Pasadena City College rules and regulations, and I grapple with that. A lot, you know, which is there are things that I like to do that I'm not allowed to do, Um, shows that I like to keep on the air that I'm not allowed to keep on the air, that that shall not be named. And, you know, so there's that grappling that's constantly happening, that grappling. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's part of the business. And, you know, it's, it's, again, it sounds like greeting card philosophy, but the only constant is change. And you do what you do, things come and go, people come and go in your life. But honestly, what I'm proud to say is that through the whole experience, I've held on to you as my friend and someone who's someone in, in, in the business. You know, if I have questions about something, you're a person I can go to and a person I can go to when it comes to talk about chicks or whatever <laughs> or, you know, what, whatever in life. Like I, I've come out of this with both great radio experience and a friend and Bruce, your husband, yeah. also a friend. I'm honored yeah. to count the both of you as friends. So, you know, thank for you. me to you, thank you so very much for providing an opportunity, like a, a hands almost... It sounds bad to say hands-off, but almost a hands-off experience to jump in and just make radio. Whatever that means to you, go do it. And if you have questions, they know, you know, students know they can come to you. So keep at what you're doing, and Great. thank you so much for providing thank you, the opportunity. Thank you, Joe. That's really nice. Thank you so much. And Sarah, I hope to see you at the party. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Every rooftop unsteady on its studs. Every old ankle leaning on its crutch. Every old drunk stumbling backwards Searching for the wall And every palm tree doubled over in the wind Big Harp are a Los Angeles-based band. They were on my show in May 2013. They are a husband and wife team. They make really, really cool music. It's like this hybridized, like, blues, but yet kind of Lyle Lovety, indie kind of thing. It's such a great mixture of stuff. And their name, it's Chris and Stephanie. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell me what you guys have been up to since May. I guess it hasn't been that long. Well, you've been making a new record. Very nice. Yeah, we actually, we just kind of finished one up like a a week ago. Mm -hmm. We were in Dallas with a... 
John Congleton produced it. And uh, so, are you guys the type of band that just kind of goes in and blows out a record in like a week? Because you guys don't strike me as like a Steely Dan kind of thing no, where you're going to spend three years making a no, record. No, no, no. We do do that, but we do a lot of building at home, a okay. lot of preparations. I mean, nights and nights and months of working songs out, just the two of us, okay. uh, vocals and and melodies and instrumentation and stuff like that. Yeah, and this time in particular, we kind of we demoed everything out at home and then okay. kind of went into the studio and like tweaked it and replaced things but yeah we usually work pretty quick this will be i mean we just finished this record and our last record came out about a year ago so yeah yeah because it wasn't that long ago we were talking about your new record with the air quotes that nobody can see in radio world just when you were on in may and i mean i I like that i mean there's it's funny because you've got like duran duran who at the height of their fame released a full-on album like every six months Mm -hmm. but then you've got like it sounds funny to say this like in the indie world but like john mellencamp would go in and blow out a record. He'd go in and take his band in and like do two weeks of like all day, every day, and just mm-hmm. blow it out. You know, you don't, it's, I've got this thing, I call it the Steely Dan um, Sex Pistols Continuum. And you're somewhere on that continuum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like it either takes you forever and you're really meticulous or you just go do it. And I, that's, that's what it is. I think we have to. I think if we did the meticulous thing too much, it would take us. 12 years yeah. to make a record. So we kind of, I think, are su- such perfectionists that we have to blow it out and just live with, li- live what, it with what it is. Because uh, you can always find something yeah. that you change. And I, I think that for me, it's, all the things I want to fix on the record just are kind of like, well, that's what I'll try to do on the next one. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do it right next time. Well, you want to keep the happy accidents because that's what makes it real and that's what makes it lively. Really important you know? for us, and for sure. So do you track, did you take any of those tracks for the new record, like stuff you did at home? Like, were those, did you then take those very tracks to. into the studio and uh-huh. then build on those? Yeah, we, there's okay. like some a couple bass parts made it to the final record. Uh, most of our vocals we redid, but a couple, couple of my backups. Yeah, and we did some um, electronic per- drum oh, yeah. stuff, but we and mixed with real drums in yeah. the end. Because we did it all at home with just like kind of like programmed electronic drums, and then when we went in, we brought a drummer friend of ours, and kind of ended up keeping like kind of like both things happening at the yeah. at, at times. Are you are you Pro Tools guys at home or Logic or GarageBand? What's your software? Or actu- do you like do analog? We were actually using Cakewalk, okay, which is like. From like way in it's the a little past, archaic. kind of yeah. It's just what we had. Yeah, yeah. But see, that's the thing. Like, people forget that your limitations become part of your art. Right. You know, people always like to say, "Well, yeah, they did Sergeant Pepper on a four track." Well, they very well may have recorded on a four track, but they also had Neumann microphones and right. Altec mixers and Neve mic preamps and full orchestras and a lot of money at their disposal. Totally. You know, you can use your limitations creatively to en- actually enhance your music, and that's the way it's always been. You know, Thelonious Monk learned how to play piano. His piano he learned how to play was missing keys. So, you know, he's kind of a quirky guy to begin with. But the fact that he's got those strange voicings and strange harmonies were part and parcel to the fact that he was missing a key in his piano. And that became his thing. You know, so you work with your, your limit, limitations. It's a bad thing. But you work with your limitations instead of against them. I totally. Totally agree with that. So when will we see this new record? We don't know yet. We don't know yet. We just, like I said, it's just finished, so... Yeah, I'm still, it's not mastered yet or anything. How many tunes? Eleven. Eleven. Yep. Yeah, I like to see it, man. Turn it around fast. Make art. Make it we're real. Tr- we're trying to for sure. We we want to. We actually wanted to release a record in June. 
yeah. of this year, all, like of 2000, I'm sorry, of 2013. Yeah. But luckily we got slowed down a little by. <laughs> yeah. Because now I think we came out with a better record, but yeah, we probably. but we did want to. Yeah. <laughs> We'd like to keep it on the record a year schedule if we yeah. can, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think that's good. You know, I, I'm envious. I mean, I'm certainly not a Steely Dan guy, but I'm, I'm like... I call myself a farm league renaissance man. I have all these different interests. Like I'm really into like hiking and mountain climbing and making beer and making radio and all these different mm-hmm. things and playing music. So it's like my records come out there. I'm on like a, a Def Leppard schedule, like about every six years, <laughs> yeah. I think. Because yeah. you have so many other things. Because like I do all these yeah. other things, you know. And uh, But I really, I need to, that's my goal for this year is to do a record, cool. I think, this year, which I should just commit to it. It's, you know, I hate to use the Nike phrase and co-opt it, but man, just do it. You <laughs> yeah, want to make a record, just right. make a record. Yeah, Easy like t- pie. Truly. So, Chris, Stephanie, thank you guys so much for being here. I'm looking forward to hearing you play in a few minutes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for being part of Independence Day yes. and like keeping music real for whatever that means. I think you yeah, too. Thank you. Yeah. It's my pleasure. You're Absolutely. Doing it too. Thanks, guys. You are listening to the Independence Day 100th show anniversary special big time special big top i wish we had a big top i'm sitting here with my very first victim mr john hoskinson he's an amazing musician he's an amazing songwriter and don't give yeah, me any kind i of like that. how you changed you realized when you said musician you were like oh he's not that good i'll say songwriter no you are an amazing musician I'm you're an amazing okay. songwriter i'm okay See, but i knew you were i knew you were going to demure <laughs> these sorts of things because that's your personality man yeah. you've got a little bob newhart in you that's kind of like oh, your thank thing thank you yeah and that's that's high praise as is i love, bob, love newhart. bob newhart so yeah. man you were one of my first guests i think it was like number four number I just four on like, your yeah, exactly like yeah. th- three years ago yeah and so tell me i mean what have you been up to i mean you've got family yeah what else uh, yeah my wife and i just had a uh, a baby five months ago congratulations at 44 i'm a, i have a i have a a newborn baby self-replicating <laughs> yeah i am cloning i'm making my own little band i so i have a six-year-old and the little baby at home so that's keeping us pretty busy uh you know and also bought a house a few years ago so i'm very domesticated yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but the one thing that that you know musically that I've, i haven't done much uh with my own really but i've i've it had a few projects with friends of mine. Uh, my friend Matt Baker, he's got a project called Batmaker, uh, and I helped him a lot with harmonies on his record that just came out about a month ago, and and then did uh, the album release with him and did some, you know, am I a little? Oh. But I, yeah, I played a little keys and shook a tambourine and sang harmonies, and then. I've also been doing house concerts uh, at our, oh, our, our yeah. old house. I've been seeing this Facebook. That's a really, really cool way for people to do music, and it's really tied into the ethos of what I'm trying to do with this show, and especially tonight. Uh, like real music. Real music for real people. It doesn't have to be a big production with flash pots and... Sequencers. And sequencers and, and, yeah. and dancers, and, and all that stuff is fine. Yeah, I mean, the region, you know, the, originally, I... I I remember the, the house concert thing, reading about it years ago when it first kind of became a big thing and people were, you know, and there there was even like a houseconcerts.com and I like oh, registered wow, really? for it and you could like, and there were places that had signed up and they were all sort of like looking for like Celtic, you know, folk musicians and I, I it's not really what I want to do, but I liked the whole idea of it because I would be coming home at 1 a.m. with my amp and grumbling to Shelly about like, ah. L.A. is such a terrible place to play, and you know, and I think a lot of places are, and that, you know, the promoters don't give a heck 
See how I didn't coast? They don't it was give good. A, yeah. You caught yourself. I really wanted to you cuss children, there because I, I you talk about promoters, it's hard not to, to say a swear word. But they, you know, they're, uh, there are good and bad ones. There are some that will try to find book art acts based on their talent and their, like, oh, this act, they're, they're complimentary. But often you end up playing a night where right before you is a rap metal band and right after you is a country band and... So their fans come in and see them play and then leave. And then yeah. you get set up and you beg and plead your friends to come see you and they pay a $10 cover and pay the two drink minimum or whatever it is. And you're like, you feel guilty about it. Like, I'd rather just invite them over to my living room yeah. and play. And so we finally, Shelly just called my bluff and was like, well, we got a house now. We've got a nice liver. Let's, let's do that. we got a piano in here. We got... So we started doing that. We've done you know five or six of them. We had the the eighty eight played one recently, which was great. Um, we've had a you know a nice mix of people. Like they're all people I've played with, met in, in L A. Either you know Gene and Brian played one with me, and the, the three of us did some stuff. Eugene Edwards, Brian Eugene Whelan, Edwards, uh, two other uh, people that have been on your show that you've also played with. Indeed, uh, which is how we we met was was playing in a band together briefly and. Um, so yeah, there's all these talented people I've met in this journey of, of awfulness that is playing in L.A. You know, so much talent that is out there that doesn't get noticed. And we're, we're you know, now that I'm, I'm domesticated, I'm living uh, with people who also have moved out to Eagle Rock from Silver Lake and Hollywood yeah. and who have kids now who also still are interested in music and hearing this stuff but don't have the time to go to a club and or yeah. have the energy to go out at 11 p.m. Yeah. to see the, the you know the band they want to see. So it's a chance for us to get our friends who's still playing to to get maybe sell some records to some people who don't know they they're, who yeah. can, don't get them to see, they don't get to see them. And plus, you know, we've had people say like it's so great to see people like singing right in front of you. Yeah. And and it takes all of that you know, like you said, the bombast and the and the, the the production out of it, and and to hear people singing in a in a room, a small room with decent acoustics in harmony, is something that is sadly rare, and and I think it's I am on a quest to bring it back. No, you're you're perhaps you know under slash overstating it, but honestly, I think you're onto something. I really, really, really do, and that's part of why I do this show for the same exact reason. Like I want. I'm, I'm longing for something real in my life. And since music is such a big part of my life, I'm longing for something real in my music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, electronics are great. I grew up on Pink Floyd. They had all kinds of synthesizers and flashbots yeah, and, nothing and wrong projection. With that. But I don't know. The way we've gone in our society with technology, I think we need to find a way to humanize it. And, you know, uh, I can't thank you enough for doing your own s- small part in some small way in yeah. your living room to, to do real human music. And I'm, I'm, you know, you always demur whenever I bring up the fact that you're a great musician and a great songwriter. But I, you need to be keeping at this. It's different. I know when you've got family yeah. and you get older, you feel like your priorities are no, different. No, and I, it is in the but back of my head it, of like I need. There's stuff I've I still write that I just don't finish, you know. And part of it is like, well, if I could sit down and record this, or you know, or I could spend yeah the afternoon with my kid. Right. And and right now he's at an age he wants to spend time with me. Right. And in a few years he's not going to want to and then I can then I'll go back to working <laughs> on my, I'll go back and, and work on my own stuff but you know it's 
it's all about priorities, and right now yeah. it's not really a priority to me, even though it's something I still dearly love. Yeah, and you know, and I'm also confident you will pass your musical lineage down to Rex. And what's the other one's name? Felix. Felix. Rex yeah. and Felix. I like the fact that you have an an X. Yeah, one of, of one of my uh, mother-in-law's friends refers to them as Dosekis. <laughs> <laughs> and that's perfect. John, I think we'll leave it at that, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming to the yeah. event. Thank you so much for being part of the show. It's, it wouldn't have been the same show without you. And it's an honor to know you. An honor to keep doing music, whatever cool. you do. You keep doing the show. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Here we are, all up in the 100th episode, and it wouldn't be right if Robbie Wrist wasn't in the house. Congratulations. When you walked in the door, man, I knew we had something. Seriously. Oh, wow. Uh, well, I did show number, what? Yeah, like, you were... Three, four, were five? Very early on. It was and really- Honestly, and I thank you for that, because yeah. in the beginning, I really needed people to go out on a limb uh-huh. and just do this radio thing with me, because it's like a new, it's like a new boat. Okay, I want to throw something at you. Um, Throw it. Now, uh, when I was a kid in the 1970s, I was on a television show called The Brady Bunch. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I did the last six episodes. Okay. Then in the 80s, I did a a movie called Iron Eagle with uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Lou Gossett Jr. Jr. Right. At 16s? It was something. I was 20-something. 20-something. And then... Uh, in the 90s, I did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. Mm-hmm. Last year, I did Sharknado. The point that I'm a making the point that got. I'm well, the point that I'm making here is, I'm not saying that having me be a part of your organization, whatever it may be, means that it will become iconic. But the odds of it happening apparently grow about that much. Yeah. Right. So what I'm saying is Independence Day. By what's happening out there tonight, you have all of these people. Lightning may have struck again. I hope so, man. I think Independence Day is sort of garnering its it's garnering its audience. It's it's finding its chunk of the universe that it will occupy. Where people go, if I need that, I need to go to Independence Day for it. Robbie, Riss, and, I, and I'm not taking credit for it. I, I hope I hope this comes to pass. <laughs> I hope that we're doing the 200th show. I hope I'm interviewing interviewing you on the 2000th yacht. Two thousandth show. Two thousand show. 2000. I, I hope you're back. You know, for every Centurion show. By then, you're so jaded. You I'm know, whatever you've had. There's so much money that's being thrown at you. You're you know, just like, you know what? I don't care about your little dog and pony <laughs> show, really. But uh, you know what? You're famous now, so just get off my show. Get but, off my show. Here, here's the thing. Let's backtrack just okay. a little bit because you and I. Here's the thing. I'm trying to keep all these interviews to about. Five Five minutes, but okay. you and I, from what I know about you and I, we could talk for about four hours. Never shut up and bl- turn around. And it's like, oh, that was five minutes, right? Totally. That's the way it goes. Completely. But the reason why I say this to backtrack yeah. just a little bit, it's not legit because you've had this storied career, which you have. Uh-huh. You've been eaten by a shark on television. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's important. It is something. <laughs> if that's not why, the reason why is because. You're a good human. You're a good musician. Thank you. And you're a good talker. And you, Thank you. you're. Perhaps the number one thing I'd like to tout about this show is I want real things, Mm -hmm. real music, real musicians. And you embody that. And that's why this is real, not because you've had some career. Uh, You're here because it's real. And... And that's cool. I mean, so. You're always you've got a van. You drive a van. You're always going to rehearsals. Every time yeah. I call you to hang out and have beers, you're like, "Oh man, I've got a rehearsal." Yeah, and I've got a rehearsal, and I've got yeah. a rehearsal. So when I know you set aside time from your busy rehearsing schedule to come to this event, <laughs> it matters to you, and therefore, oh, it, yeah. it, it validates what I'm doing. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've uh, you know, 
I'm a like when there's a new film director that makes a movie that I like, I will turn around and go see any movie that that guy directs. Blind faith is what I call that. Uh, okay, well I, I have blind faith in the Coen Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Anything but, they make, fine. I will plunk down my. Twelve dollars for twenty-seven fifty yeah. on the barrel head. <laughs> yeah, go see well, their movie. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, that's but that's how I that's how I feel about you. Oh, You're, man. I, 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 I hope you could see a guy I, blushing I believe, on the radio. No, no, I believe someday I will be able to say, oh yeah, no, he was one of my guys. I had my eye on him. I knew it would happen. Yeah, man. You know, you're like you're like you're like Tito Puente for me. You oh, know, it's like man. Tito Puente is going to be dead, and you're going to be saying, oh, I used to listen to him all the time. Interesting. To quote Stripes, you know, man, I'll take it. <laughs> one of my favorite movies, by the it's way. Great. One of my favorite. So, uh, is this will wrap up the mutual That's admiration fine. society? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the night, but uh-huh. Robbie, thank you, man. Thank you for having me. You're doing such great things. So, tell me real quick. Now, uh-huh. now that we've rambled about, yeah, yeah. about inane stuff, like uh-huh. we always do, we got 30 seconds. We're gonna make this no, happen. We've got time. No, no, we're doing 30 seconds. What uh, What are you doing musically? Musically, I play every Friday at a place called Rock and Roll Pizza in Moore Park. I'm doing a uh, songs of the 70s. Totally interactive thing where I'm like, it's anarchy. The audience takes over and they're screaming things and coming up on stage and singing songs and they just go, uh, do that song, um, Bad Time. Bad Finger. Uh, yeah. Play and, Bad Finger. Yeah. And so we do. And it's, it's, so I'm doing that and I have a band of my own called The Wrong Dots. Mm. And, yes, we uh, played a show with you. That yes, was fun. And yes. thank you for inviting me. Uh, you're coming back, I hope. I hope so too. And, uh, and yeah, so I'm doing those two things. I'm playing with a band called The Living Dolls. And then every once in a while, I'm, there's a band out. Out, out of town called the Mockers. I play with them occasionally. Uh, yeah, legendary. I'm, yeah, I'm doing lots of stuff. I'm just, you know, to me, somebody said if you're going to be in entertainment, don't specialize. Somebody told yeah. me that a long time ago, so I'm not. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, I'm just playing as much as I can because the, uh, to me, the, that's where the joy lies. Robbie. The joy lies in the playing. I, you can sit in your bedroom for decades and become the greatest whatever but the truth of the matter is it's not going to mean anything because you're not doing it in front of people and I think music is a form of communication True words have never been spoken Robbie advice is free but do what you do advice is free but do what you do yeah 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 okay I'll go with that let's leave it with that Uh Robbie thank you thank you sir thank you for being part of the show and once again thank you for sticking your neck out when the show was young oh yeah and I needed people to come on the show oh yeah really meant a lot now that you know what you're doing you should maybe have me back on at some point oh that's, you know, Consider it. I, you know, I'm not saying it has to happen. You know what? No, thing. fine. Maybe I just won't. Okay, that's fine, Joe. Just don't say yes. Don't say I'm going to have Robbie. Ba- what? See here, you're already jumping to conclusions. <laughs> Here's the thing. I've, I'm an insecure musician. A, a couple people. We all are, of course. A couple <laughs> people have said, "Hey, you know, you should have me back." But I, I've yet to have someone back. But I think at some point I should. Who's well, it going to be? You know, you just, be you just start at the top of the roster. <laughs> The batting orders. Go back to the top Yeah, of the yeah, order, it's the 100th episode, so start at guest Jason number Mandel, one. Jason Mandel, I'm yeah. looking at you, man. You were show 001, and I was optimistic at the time that I would reach 999. Yeah. Here I am at 1,000. I've got only, what, 800 to go? Yeah, yeah. All right, Robbie Wrist. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Delightful. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. band's name is Sunken Ships, the guy who's driving the ship, for a dumb metaphor, is Ray Argyle. But he's not just uh, working with Sunken Ships. Since we last had him on the show in February of 2012, February 15th, I believe, which seems like yesterday, I say that about every single guest that's been on the show, you've got a new Sunken Ships record that's come out called Mystery Friend and a solo project, which is just all you. Tell me a little bit about these things that were new since you were last on the show. 
Um, well, uh, Sunken Chips had been working on the EP Mystery Friend um, for about two years. So we were actually probably working on it, um, starting to work on it last uh-huh. time we talked. It just took us a long time to narrow it down to the five songs it ended up being and um, you know, do all the the production and then yeah. the tweaking and tweaking and retweaking afterwards album art and all that um so i don't know we move very slow but we uh we're very deliberate i guess well you're not on a you're not on a def leppard schedule mm. you know you're not on a duran duran schedule which is like every six months <laughs> okay yeah no and the def leppard's like every six years <laughs> or boston was like that too i think for six years between some of their records but uh yeah. you know but that's the thing i mean cons- i mean even relatively consistent output is a, is a good thing to do. And when you're independent, mm. you know, you're doing it on your own terms. You're financing it to yourself. You're recording it yourself. So different parameters apply, mm. you know? Yeah, we, um, and, you know, after that, we decided to, well, we're trying <laughs> so far, not all that successfully, but we're trying to do more of like a single release um, okay. schedule where maybe every couple months or every few months we release just like a song yeah with you know and maybe a video with the song or something like that yeah, so yeah. it's just a little more regular and there aren't so many big gaps between yeah. things but in addition to that like you mentioned i mean i also just i release um stuff on my own just to sort of satisfy my own needs yeah so yeah so why uh you know because you're they're the main guy from sunken ships right ostensibly well, I, yeah it um so the songs began um as a part of my solo project and they were sort of they were songs that um when Joe Mullins came into the picture he's the guitar player um he you know wanted to do like more of a band model of things and those were what Sunken Ships plays now is mostly what he chose from my body of work okay. from my solo artist body of work and so um you know the ones we could agree upon uh to play together and then from there we've done um you know the band has has kind of contributed as you know, I'll write a song and get a demo going. It'll be pretty close, um, you know, like an arrangement that I'm happy with, but then maybe we'll tweak it a little bit as a band. Okay. Yeah, because you guys are pretty much the same lineup. It's like a, it has fairly, been for a while. fairly regular regular lineup. Yeah, we went through a couple of bass players, uh, I think one other drummer before. Okay. But it's been the same core. So why did you decide to then take these songs and not do them with Sunken Chips? Well, um, so sometimes it's that, you know, they didn't seem... Um, as interested um, as other songs in in you, you mean know, the band members weren't interested right in the songs. like like I'd bring them bring them through and it didn't really seem to stick or just even before um, even before bringing them in I just sort of you know used my best judgment and thought that they wouldn't be appropriate for like the kind of I, I feel like Sunken Chips does have sort of a more specific. Uh, style and theme. Okay. And my, my solo stuff goes all over the place. Okay. I mean, it can be, you know, kind of sappy piano ballads yeah. to, you know, like much even more hard rocking than Sunken Ships get. Yeah. Well, there's like the, the spinal tap cliche, you know, mm-hmm. where at the end when Nigel's left the band, they're sitting around that pool and David St. Hubbins goes, you know, I've, as you know, I've always wanted to do you know, my numbers with the London Philharmonic. Because <laughs> yeah. it, when you're, you know, your solo artist, I mean, Tom Petty too, you know, he's got the heartbreakers. He's got one of the best bands in the business. Mm. Even he mm. has a point where he he wants to do something just even just a little different. Yeah. Still Tom Petty, still going to sound pretty close. Right. But it's just, it's just a little different and it mm-hmm. allows him a little bit of freedom to go do something that he might not do otherwise. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess, you know, part of it's, part of it's just me assuming, um, 
you know, sometimes me assuming that, that it wouldn't work and then other times, you know, we'll try it and then it'll just, it just won't kind of um, spark, I guess. Yeah. yeah, when you're in a band and there's like a band sound and a band mm-hmm. culture, yeah. you know, certain material, like I've certainly written songs that I thought, you know, that I, that I didn't think would fit in with the band I was playing at that time. And what do you really do with those songs? You know, if you're a well-known yeah. songwriter, you can, you know, if you're Mike Campbell from the Heartbreakers, like he wrote, uh, you know, Boys of Summer, or not, uh, yeah, I think it was Boys of Summer, oh, really? yeah. uh, for Don Henley. Yeah. And T- Petty didn't want it. Hmm. So he, you know, he, but he can call up Don Henley yeah. and go, hey man, I've got this song. Right. Do you want to, uh, do you want to record this? Yeah. And then Henley has a big hit with it. So. Yeah, I actually, I mean, it's kind of not everything on there. I mean, some of it's stuff that I, you know, I really wanted to perform myself and, and really wanted to be a, I don't know, like a Ray Argyle song or whatever. But, um, there, there's actually a decent amount of stuff on my, my most recent solo stuff where it was almost as if. I was writing for somebody else or like yeah. or I wanted to give them away or sell them or something, yeah. you know, and they're almost sort of, you know, I'm putting them out there that way. Yeah, yeah. I don't have Don Henley. Not that I necessarily <laughs> well, that's my point. want him. But. You can't just call up, you know, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Uh, I don't know, the Decemberists and say, hey, I've got this song. It doesn't fit in with my stuff. Do you guys want to do it? Exactly. You know, so, so tell me real quick, you know, I, we don't have a whole lot of time left. And thank you so much for coming oh, in to no, do this. Thank, thank you. you for coming to the we event. Actually, we uh, we live quite close. Yeah, so, man. Yeah. And so tell me, you know, we're, we're just getting through the first month of uh, 2014 here about, you know, we're February. What um, what's in store for this year? Um, well, like I said, Sunken Chips, we're trying to get on a little bit of a faster clip. Um, we want to do some small, like two or three day jaunts okay. down south or yeah. slightly up north. Nothing too crazy. We all have, you know, a lot of other stuff going on in LA. Um, so that, and, um, I don't know, I guess that's pretty much it. Doing, doing as much as we can in LA as well. We plan on doing a, um... There's a series called In the Backyard. I don't know if you're familiar with it at all, but uh, Joe's actually, the guitar player, is involved with that too. And it's basically just a backyard setting, but very well-done video production nice. of, of a live show. Yeah, DIY. I love that stuff. Yeah. So um, a friend of ours, um, John something or other, can't remember his last name right now. <laughs> He'll be very happy to know and, that yeah, you don't know his last name. I'm spacing. Anyway, one of Joe's friends, uh, John, he, he's kind of the, the main video guy, and Joe's the main audio guy for this for this series. And um, Well, make sure we know about it. Yeah, in I'll, the backyard. I'll publicize it. Oh, gosh. It's, you could probably find it just by searching that. But, yeah, I'll, I'll send you yeah. or something. Um, but, yeah, um, we're planning on doing that sometime soon. Um, and that What's sh- the weather... Yeah, evens out a little bit. Probably a good call. You know, you probably will wait until later in the spring or something. Yeah, very nice. So the band is Sunken Ships. Mm-hmm. The man is Ray Argyle, and you should listen to this guy. He's got good stuff. He makes good music. It's kind of, I think it's like folky Brit pop, uh, but it's really, really good. There's some reverb. You know, it's more reverby than things that I might normally listen to, but it works really, really well. I dig it. So keep up what you're doing, man. Thank you so much for being out here tonight. Thank you. Here we are getting deeper in the Independence Day 100th episode event. We're having a great time. We've had Little Lonely play. We've had Pie Jacobs play. We've had Lock and Key play. We've had great people play. We've been spinning vinyl. I've got two guys in front of me right now. They may not know each other super well, but they come from similar territories here. We've got Chicago people in front of me. We've got Ted Wolfers and a guy that I used to know as Mason, 
But these days he's going by Jason Taylorson, which is his perhaps Christian name, as we used to say in Chicago. And it's miserable weather in Chicago. Right now, we're all in Los Angeles. Thank you guys for being here. It's honestly, I say this without hyperbole, it's an honor to have you guys here in the studio with us tonight. Thanks for having us, Joe. Thanks for having us. Good to know, be here. It's, it's my, it is my pleasure. The pleasure is mine. So, I mean, you guys did different shows. Mason, you came on. Jason, God, I, I still don't know what to call you. You came on very, very early, and thank you for jumping out on a limb, coming on the show, talking about the Echo Park scene back in the day because there was a period where I was playing regularly in Echo Park. A lot of the people we've had here tonight were playing in Echo Park. It was a good scene and you like really nurtured that. I mean, tell me what what, what are you doing now? Are you booking bands? Are you, I know you're playing music, but what are you up to these days? Uh, yeah, I'm spending more time just uh, writing music and recording music and uh, not so much performing live, I mean, not so much booking live shows. However, just recently, um, I have took on uh, periodic shows back at Tex. So um, it's just a real casual thing. And we're going to be doing that every last Thursday of the month at Tex. And, and that started back in October. And uh, it was just intended to be one month, but we had a lot of fun. And it, uh, on Halloween, we had, a, uh, we had the biggest party in Echo Park at Tex, the biggest Halloween party. And I would say it was uh, second to Hollywood Forever. Yeah, yeah, it, it was pretty immense, and so we're going to keep that going, and it's going to be happening again next year, and then we had a lot of fun, and everybody getting back, having laughs, and so now it's turning into we'll do uh, one day a month, and congratulations on your 100th episode. Thank you so much for everything and for supporting and nurturing the scene yourself after I stepped away, and uh carrying the torch and keeping it going and keeping the spotlight on all these fine people fine musicians fine music fine friends and our excellent life so thank you joe on your 100th episode and thousands more to come dude you're making me blush uh-huh. if you could see me if you could see red through the radio you'd see it right well, now that's old school man for ted real. how about you man you were just on, it wasn't so long ago. It was just this last summer, I think, that you were on. Last summer, but we you, had a ball. you've got a full band show coming up in, at Shuba's. At Shuba's in Chicago, yeah. That's like next month, I think, February? Uh, yeah, February 17th. And, you know, I, I, I got to say this. We, we all share this in common. We're all Chicago people. I don't know. I haven't played uh, Shuba's. I shot a music video there, I want to say, three years ago. Uh, I've been doing a lot of hard rock and festival dates when I play Chicago, so I haven't played Shubas in probably four or five years. Well, uh, first of all, congratulations, man! hundred shows, uh, like like you said, you know, a thousand more, hundreds of thousands of more. I hope you, so, man. You, I you, hope to be doing the two hundredth show from a yacht. There you go. There you go. You and guys ho- should be and there hopefully, with me. we are there with you exactly. And uh, and there will be hopefully barrels of beer and and wonderful chairs like this on that yacht. I hope so too. So let's let's hope for that. But. Uh, what I've been up to, um, it's been a crazy couple of years. I put out a big rock and roll record last year called Lucky Number no. 7. and it's A double ama- record on vinyl. It's a double record on vinyl. And um, I get every day the most amazingly moving emails and letters and phone numbers, phone calls and texts from people about that music. And it's been a very powerful thing. However, uh, if you look around, uh, there seems to be only really one rock and roll band in the world. And they are my good friends, the Foo Fighters. Uh, when it comes to radio and TV and whatnot, 
And so uh, I've, I've been kind of holed up making this really amazing ukulele record that uh, we're in the process. I'm actually going back to do some mixing uh, at the studio tonight. And um, it's been one of the most rewarding, adorable, awesome experiences in my life. And uh, some of the songs are already getting some radio play. And there are, some of the songs are 30 seconds long. Some of the songs are a minute 30. Some of them are four minutes. But they're some of the most passionately from the heart kind of just make everybody smile make everybody cry make everybody sing along songs and so it's been really fun so hopefully um 2014 and 15 are going to be a lot of touring with the ukulele set opening up for the big rock and roll nice set. So. i think it's it's so very important as musicians to keep pushing yourselves pushing ourselves into different things like we get in our tom waits has got this whole thing like our hands are like dogs They'll keep taking the same paths sure. over and over again. They'll keep doing the same stuff. So I think it's good. You know, you get out of your comfort zone, whether it's comfortable or not, sure. and you push yourself into something new because something new will come out of that. And that's what being an artist is all about. I've also been writing a lot of classical music and a lot of soundtrack stuff recently. And so um, I come from, I play a, a million different instruments. And I've always said, oh, I play everything except for cello and horns. And I know I'm never going to play horns. So I've been playing cello recently, and I'm, I'm at it about a month now, and I'm already recording it. And it's been really fun to just get into the boat. Exactly. Yeah. Just, just taking these dogs down a different path. And to reference Tom Waits again, I love playing instruments. He, he's the same way. I love playing instruments that I don't know how to play. Exactly. Because that sends me off in a different direction. Like I, I've been playing guitar and singing and like a few other instruments since this seems like time immemorial, at least for my lifespan. Mm-hmm. But you do something new, you pick up something, even something as simple, like when I, when I go to do a new record, I like to borrow my friend's guitars. Borrow six acoustic guitars, line them up in my living room, play the same song on six different guitars, or play six different guitars every morning, because every song is a different piece of wood. That piece of wood was alive. Yep. It was a living thing at one point, it will inspire you to and do something And they'll talk different. back at you. And and totally. Yeah, and it's funny, one of the ukulele songs I wrote on the cello, it's the first song I've written on the cello, and I put a little blip up on Facebook, and I got about 100 emails from people just saying, this yeah. is the catchiest, cutest, little adorable song. And so there's no cello on the record, but, um, man, it's a, it's a catchy dance. Well, on this record. but the next uh, record will be your cello record. It'll be the cello record. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be Ted, Ted, Ma. Indeed. Coming, coming to, no, but yeah, it's been, it's been a pleasure being on your show, man. I had such a good time. I really want to thank you for the excellent bio. You're a guy who really knows how to use words, and you use them expensively, and you spend them very well. Thank and you, Tim. So really, the, ple- really the pleasure is mine, honestly, so. for you too, Jason slash Mason, which was what I've been calling you for like three years. Anyway, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I hope you have a great time tonight. Thank Congrats, you so man. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, man. This bed and didn't wake until the dawn. Andy Creighton is a guy. He's a musician based here in Los Angeles. You're Chicago originally, Andy, or thereabouts? I was in Chicago. I, was, I grew up in Phoenix. Phoenix. Okay, so that's an interesting switch. Yeah, Phoenix to Chicago. Bit, but yeah. he's got a band called The World Record. They're really, really cool. Kind of power poppy somewhat sort of thing. Kind of a straight ahead rock mix with power pop maybe. That sounds about right. Close enough. The descriptors are always so hard because, you know, who 
don't put me in a box, man. <laughs> well, Andy, if you were to, that's about. Yeah. Well, it's good, good to see you, man. Good Thanks for coming out too. tonight. Thanks for coming to the event, supporting the show. It was back in we decided October of 2011 when we had you and your band on full band show. That's right. It's always funny. You guys did something that almost nobody else did for your for your web exclusive song. You covered, I think, Rocky Mountain Way. Oh, is that right? Kind of off the cuff. You know, like all you guys right. were all there, and I was like, hey, you guys want to do another tune? And you did a Joe Walsh tune, which is <laughs> yeah. very near and dear to my heart. So, so thanks for having a sense of humor about it, man. We need to keep that in music. Absolutely. So tell me what you've been up to, man. It's been a couple years since I've seen you, and you had, you've got a new record, I think, came out in the last year or so, a new EP as well. Yes. Yeah, The all of, uh, let's see, we, we met in October 2011. The whole next year was all about ramping up for this release of this double LP uh, freeway special which we did a big release show for and had kind of a festival show at the echo plex very nice our uh only time there so far it was it was quite fun and uh, that's that's ambitious to do a double vinyl lp in yeah. the new millennium like tell me why who was it just the, the craziest idea you could think of and you said go with it or how did it go it was sort of well our last record came out in 06 all right oh, so man. so all this time had passed and in the time we had gathered some fans from that record and then uh you know we people kept asking when's this coming out and so we decided we couldn't wait six years and just do you know a, a single album yeah. so we we made it a double just a, sort of an overblown thing to sort of announce our return to the world and we did a big show that was a bit overblown and Aaron, the bass player, built a little house. We have a song called Cats on the Roof, and he built this house, and it descended from the rafters. With oh, my God, it's on. so Spinal Tap. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Uh, so it was it was a really fun night. And then this double LP couldn't fit on one CD, and we didn't want to do a double CD, so we saved some of the songs, and that's what the EP was that we did another show for uh a few months later so did you do cds at all or was it just double vinyl we did cds okay. as well uh yeah, yeah we're in a weird place in the industry with <laughs> yeah. cds because they're you know they're kind of uh they're they're all lame ducks like they're kind of walking around you know i, I actually still like them because I, I like physical product whether it's vinyl or you know i'm announcing my old guy thing but yeah it's what you're used it's to it's what i'm know? used to yeah. and I, I don't know i was just i've talked to almost everybody who's been in these interviews i, I still like liner notes and I still like the art, and I still like to see, because that's something that comes from the artist that's like the original multimedia packaging. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that, because, you know, we spent a lot of time, this was a, the, the vinyl was a gatefold, and, uh, you know, so it opens wide, and there's there's photos, there's photos in there, and uh, full lyrics, and, you know, all kinds of things to read. And it's well, I need to get me one, then. Yeah, I should have brought one. I need to get me one. No, I love vinyl. My vinyl collection... It, it keeps growing. I mean, I'm not obsessed by any means, but I've, I've noticed now the CDs are they're going away. They're going to be gone because everyone, you can download anything that you need. And the only way that I'm going to be able to get my analog fix in terms of pictures and, and all that is to get vinyl, I think. Yeah. And well, I a, heard someone say something that made me rethink CDs still as a viable medium, which is that it's the only place to get high quality digital yeah. music still it won't be forever but yeah it's hanging on in that by that uh yeah mode and know? it's also good if you're on the road because oh yeah it's if the you're best. if you because they're smaller than vinyl they're easier to travel with than vinyl they're a little more robust and you can you know you can people want to take something away from the show you play a show it's like not everybody's going to drop the coin on an expensive double gatefold vinyl package right. but you know you sell a cd for eight or ten bucks and that's gas money or taco money to get you to the next town yeah and i've found that people don't love 
to put money down on download cards. Either. Yeah. They prefer to come away with something that has a little bit of instant gratification to it. Yeah, there's nothing CD's about the a best. download card that reminds you of that great time you had when you drank too much at the Troubadour. <laughs> That's right. You know? So, but you've got this. So, you've got new music, and it's not relative. It's relatively new. The EP is the newest, newer of the two, right? Yeah. Well, they both came out together on the double oh, okay. LP, but then uh, the CD omitted five songs, so we released those. Cause okay. It was actually a Kickstarter thing because a lot of people had put in just for the CDs, but uh, they, uh, I didn't want them to get shortchanged the five songs. So we yeah. did. We did this, and we have some left over these little EP CDs. So we. We're selling them. It's nice that you care about your fans. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice thing. And so, and you're you're playing a lot these days. I hear around. Town. Yeah, we we've got geez four shows in February or something. It all happened. I I neglected to keep the calendar up, and so I kept saying yes. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves with like two shows in a row at the end of February, yeah. and then one more in March. And That's fun. It's like doing a tour, except it's they, all in the same town. Yeah, they are a, kind of a tour because LA is so big. We've got one in Sierra Madre, and then Santa Monica and Burbank. Yeah. And so we're kind of uh, making a tour of LA. Yeah, those are disparate places when you live in Los Angeles. I yeah. mean, they're all, they all look like they're in the same area, but they're they're kind of not. Uh, and then are you, are you guys getting out on the road at all these days, or is it mostly we're gonna, local shows? We haven't. You know, we we've been to Arizona a couple times uh, last year, or maybe just once. But uh, we're gonna go out this year. We have a new record. Uh, it's written but not recorded, and we have a new space to to record it in. So we're going to try to do that and then maybe get someone to mix it. We'll yeah. see. So will you do the whole record at home then? We did. We have done the last two all at home. Okay. Uh, the last one was a real pain because I was living in this, in an apartment with a two bedroom apartment where the second one was dedicated to music, but it was a small room Yeah. and everything was impossible to mix in there. And yeah, yeah. It didn't sound good. And, DIY, yeah. man, that's the thing. DIY presents a lot of challenges. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing, you know, finding creative ways to overcome those challenges is where the creativity comes, man, because creativity is also practical. You know, we have to work with our limitations. Well, yeah, limitations always help. You know, they, they keep you from having too many choices. To, I always find with MIDI stuff, it's like, well, is this the right sound? I don't know. Well, let's try another of these. Let's try 400 th- other ones. Yeah, and you, you end up with nothing where you've got a keyboard, an analog keyboard that you have three sounds on or yeah. whatever, then you go with those sounds and they, they sound great. Someone else already worked it out for you and they sound really good. And you know, man, there's, there's something to be said about elegant simplicity. We were As we were setting this up, we were talking about matchless amplifiers. You and I are both guys who are fans of these ridiculously expensive but yet beautiful pieces of electronic yeah, equipment. with few knobs. With few knobs. And my, I use the B channel on mine all the time, which is the EF86 tube for geeks. Well, you're, beyond, you're now beyond my can. And it's Well, most guitar amps have a 12AX7 in the preamp tube. That's, that's the normal standard tube for Marshalls, Fenders, almost everything. All right. But certain Vox amps have the CF86 tube. But that's actually, it, it sounds great but that's not the point I'm getting at. The point is that channel only has a volume knob and it's not even a tone EQ knob. It's a switch that has six positions from more treble to more bass. So it's like, I really only have five or six options and a volume knob, which is perfect yeah. for me. I mean, I just want a knob. I want an amp with one knob. I think I want everything in my life to have one knob. Yeah, on well, it. they sound great. I mean, so if it sounds great, yeah. you know, why fiddle with it? It's, yeah, it I works, never understood yeah. the big giant Steve Vai pedal board rack <laughs> yeah, nonsense. It's, it's too many choices. Well, it's also, there is also the laziness factor for me. Like, I, I really don't, I don't play with a lot of pedals. I have a boost pedal and that's yeah. all I've got because I, 
I just don't like lugging them around and yeah. setting them up. I don't like replacing batteries either. And the more complicated things get, the more the harder it is to fix it when it goes when something goes wrong. Yeah, you know, stuff does true. break. And if you know if it's if you have one amp and one pedal and two cables and a guitar, okay, we can you know we can probably fix that. <laughs> Maybe. But if you've got all that other stuff, oh my lord, it just becomes problem after problem. Andy, it's good to see you, man. Good to see you too. Oh, Keep, let me put a plug in for oh, our new our new video. She's not a liar. Please look it up. It's a one take video. We did it in our new space. And uh, it has lyrics, and there's a little robot that runs along a track, and there's a cat in there that kind of attacks the robot. Where can it's people see that? On YouTube, I guess. YouTube. Look up She's Not a Liar, the world record. The world record is the band. Andy Creighton is the man. Thank you so much for coming out, man. It's great to see you. It's great to see you, too. Thanks. All right, man. Keep on rocking. Rushing. Rushing around. Pulsing, flashing. Red and blue. All right, everybody, we are eyeballs deep in the 100th episode of Independence Day. We are here at Chloe's at Golden Road. My guest right now, Jess Penner. Mm -hmm. So nice to have you. So nice to see you. Thank you. Loved your music last time I heard it. What are you up to now? Well, a lot, actually. I just, my new record came out yesterday on iTunes. Yesterday? Yesterday. Because they always come out on Tuesdays. They do, unfortunately. But yeah, it came out yesterday. I just got back from Sundance at midnight last night. I had some showcases there. Um, So that was amazing. Did you play inside or outside? Um, Inside. Because I've done showcases in Sundance where Mm -hmm. the band was outside. Like I saw Calexico there one time, and I felt Joey Burns and John Convertino, Mm -hmm. those guys are up there. And like, they've got those propane heater deals yeah yeah and i felt so bad for their text because you know their tuning is fakakta yeah it's gotta be awful yeah so you were playing inside and that's cool mm-hmm. and how did it go it went amazing i actually um i did a couple like bar gigs you know the normal thing that when you're an artist you go there and do but i i also was like privileged enough to get to play on park city tv which nice. is amazing because they only pick like 15 artists a year to do that and so i was chosen for that and i got to play two songs live in the morning show and it was just a lot of fun. It was amazing. Making music in Utah. Yeah, Utah. You know, Utah's such a... You're, you're a Los Angeles artist. Yes. Based mm-hmm. out of here. But you tour. Yes, right? I do. Fairly regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to dog on Utah, but every time I'm in Utah, it's, it's, it's got this like slightly... It's this thing... It's just a little different in Utah. Like beautiful mountains. Beautiful and mountains. Gorgeous that's, that's part sights of it. as it's you beautiful. drive And then the other thing is, like, I guess we live in L.A. where there's like a trillion people yeah. crammed into 20 square miles. But you go to Utah and there's like eight guys that's in true. the whole state. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I had a good time in Utah, though. It's like playing for very polite. It's like Iowa in a way. Cause it's like a western Iowa. Yeah. And you know what's funny is while I was driving through, well, I, there's a couple things that happened yesterday. I was actually, my uncle lives in Orem. Because he was a tennis pro at um, University, what Brigham Young or whatever, for forever, and so I was visiting. I was driving on my way back from Sundance to visit them, and then I was flying out last night. And I was driving kind of like in a backcountry road, and the sun was setting, and the the lakes were frozen, and it was this big dramatic scene, and I just started to cry because it was so beautiful, and I just felt so grateful, like not in a sad way, but just in a kind of crazy just having a crazy emotional moment no that's good I, I, I like that like people wall, <laughs> no people no seriously you're laughing like nervously but people wall themselves off from their emotions yeah like in this modern society and like and you know I say this non-derogatorily but chicks get this reputation chicks are always crying and dudes but right. man like like I think about my dog like yeah how much I love my dog like my dog's like my kid mm-hmm. you know props to Sally 
Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I sleep with two, you know, two women every night. Yeah. My girlfriend and my dog. Yeah. Sally. And like, I think about my dog and if anything happened to her, like I can like cry oh like an actor. I can me cry too. on command. That's like my same trick. How did you know that about me? Seriously. Totally. If I ever need to cry in a situation, I just think about my dog dying. Because I That's think about, awful, but it's true. You know, I don't know. We're getting off on this dog tangent, <laughs> but to me, like there is no purer love. It's true. It's on totally Earth true. Than the love of a dog, because you can't buy that kind of devotion. It's, yeah. Like you know, you're Donald Trump. You've got a trillion dollars. You can buy assistance up the of the wazoo left and mm-hmm. right. But you, the kind of devotion a dog gives you for free, right? You can't buy. And it's true. And then the other thing I noticed about Utah is when I was driving from my uncle's house to the airport, there were all these billboards, and it was like encouragement. Pass it on. <laughs> and wow. I was like, this is so amazing. I mean, I feel, because I've lived in L.A. for so long, for like yeah. 10 years, it's just I'm so jaded and I'm used to seeing billboards for whatever stuff that's so shallow and superficial. You don't even see them anymore. Like boob, boob implants or whatever. Not that that's a bad thing, but to see a billboard that someone paid for that says encouragement, pass it on. Yeah. I just thought like, this place is actually... It's actually pretty rad in some in some ways. I think it's so important for musicians to get out of their thing, uh-huh. out of their their world, their daily life, their the thing that they do. Like it's, uh, I was just talking to one of the other guests who were, was in here earlier doing one of these little check ins. Mm-hmm. How we, uh, uh, Mike Chalinski from Arrow Highway, he he took a break. He's on a break right now. He's mm-hmm. not making music, and I I was like I. I like I gave him props. It feels weird coming out of my mouth to say that sentence, but I gave him props mm-hmm. because I was like, you know, you have to live to write. Yeah. Because if you're if you're always writing, you're going to write about writing, or you're going to write about traveling, and like you know, Bon Jovi did that whole thing, and right. Journey did that whole thing. Yeah, but yeah. it's like you don't want to just write the the traveling song. You got to have experiences. It's true, and you have to have um, quiet moments as well. Like you have yeah. to al- you have to be alone with yourself and your thoughts long enough to reach a place that's deeper. So this new record came out yesterday. Mm-hmm. Tell me just a little bit about the record. Okay. How long uh, did it take to make it? You made it here in LA? Uh, yeah. Well, I have a studio at my house. So I self, all my records are self-produced. Trey convenient? It's very convenient, yes. And um, my partner is my husband. So he's also, a drummer. Trey convenient? Very convenient. He's an excellent drummer, and he also mixed records, mixes records for other people, and he's an incredible engineer. But um, we started making the record in February of 2013. 11 months ago, not so long ago. 11 months ago, and he ended up actually, he was recovering from a quite serious random illness that he was afflicted with, and it was just a really different, quiet, beautiful time. But a lot of this record just comes out of a place of pain and gratitude, it sounds weird to say that, but it's like um, the record's called Building Heaven, and all the songs are just about really seizing the moments that you have with the people you love and also um, rising out of adversity, I feel like. Jess, I say it all the time. <laughs> Again, I sound like a greeting card philosopher. <laughs> I say that all the time, but tell the people you love that you love them. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. such, it's overlooked. Oh, yeah. You know, and I don't want to get all tragic about it. No, like, no. Oh, they're going to go off and they're going to die in a car accident. But, but you know, Matt, we're, we're, all, we're what we have. Regardless right. of your belief in a higher power, regardless of what that even means, yeah, we are true. what we have here on mm-hmm. the earth. And we're the ones that help our, each other through our yeah. days. So tell the people that you love that you love them. So I, I support that. Yeah. And that's actually... It's, it's always, like a campaign slogan. Yeah. It's always, <laughs> been a, it's always been a goal of mine. And I feel like my music is very positive and it's very... It um, 
like inspirational sounds like a weird word to use, but I just want to encourage people to see the beauty in everyday things and to see the beauty in themselves and to celebrate those things and not just live life kind of blind to what's happening every day because those are the moments that we need to really celebrate. And how are you going to tour on this record? Are you going to what are you going to do to promote um, it? Well, I'm I, I'm going to have several shows in LA. I did a USO tour last summer of Europe, and I'm doing another one this summer. And we'll just kind of see what happens. I mean, I just kind of go where the doors open. So if something great, some opportunity comes around, then you can bet that I will pursue it. I can get behind Taoism. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. People, you know, that the tree that bends survives the storm. That's true. Whereas yeah. the rigid bridge does not. Yeah. More greeting card philosophy here from Joe Armstrong <laughs> and Independence Day. Jess Penner, thank you. It's been an honor. It was an honor to have you on the oh, show. thank you so much. And please keep, keep us informed of what you're up to. Oh, I, I will. I wish you the best of luck on the new record, best of luck on the tour. Come back and see us sometime, okay? Thank you. I will. Thank you, Jess. Right now, I'm honored to be sitting with my dear friend and amazing musician, good human being, Brian Whelan. Or as some people say, Whelan. Whelan, yeah. Sometimes I get that. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Tell me, you know, your life has changed quite a bit. We were looking back. It was, uh, you were my very second guest way back March 9th of 2011. Um, How, you know, your situation at the time. Here's the first thing I want to talk about is that at the time, you were just kind of starting to play with Dwight. And we couldn't really talk about it because it wasn't a solid gig yet. Like, right. T- tell me how that whole thing transpired. Yeah. Well, you know, and I didn't want to say anything uh, wrong, you know, say, say anything I wasn't supposed to be saying or anything like that. Um, but, you know, since I did the show, I've done done all the gigs and, you know, you know, member of the full on member of the band as far as it goes. Um, and it's it's good. It's been a really good gig. Yeah, I mean, that's your job now, is the it's thing. It's my job now, and it's a really good job because it's, you know, you go on the road and play shows with Dwight, and then you go to the studio and record with Dwight. And for me, that's a good job. He, The travel schedule is, is very, you know, favorable most of the time to, you know, being, oh, to being in L.A. and, and just taking care of other, um, you know, other projects because yeah. I'll have few days off a week yeah because so you guys uh you personally got your hands in a lot of pies you're producing yes. records now um <laughs> you know, you've got your own shows i mean how you know, i asked eugene the same question like how are you keeping up with your own shows and your own performance schedule i mean are you just kind of keeping it flexible or what's your plan for that uh well yeah, I I have to keep it flexible because uh, you know, like I said, because of the because of having a job. So I have to be available for that. Um so it has to kind of stay flexible, but other than that, I I'm happy to be working every day on on something or another. Uh the producing came uh, came about unexpectedly. Rod Melanson asked me to produce him and I hadn't really done a full a full on uh, production gig ever. I have a couple of co-producer credits uh, in the past, and that that basically amount to arranging. Yeah, uh, you know, real, which is one of the things you do. Which is one of the things that you do. But you know, when you if you are a full-on producer, there's a lot more uh, administrative work. I mean, money and organization and scheduling. Yeah. Um, in addition to arranging and production, you know, gear. I was playing guitar. You know, doing a lot of things. And uh, you know it was it was really great to do all of it, and I 
and as I've said, I just I can't. I'm really lucky and happy that this was the first one that yeah. I did because it was a really good experience. I think it's a really good record, and you know, I'll, it'll always be the first thing I produced. Yeah, and I'm happy to you know happy to say that. Yeah, and that's how you build your reputation. You know, yeah, I is, hope so. I mean, that's get... the plan. I don't I don't really know you know how or if it will work, but I I assume that that's the way to do it because yeah. it isn't like it's this high. I mean, producing records. Yeah. It's not what some people might think it would be in terms of getting yeah. paid. You know, it's like you, it's kind of a labor of love. What was the most challenging thing for you, like stepping out of the role or, or of being a musician? And I say a solely musician because that's a lot of stuff there too. But when stepping into a, the producer's chair, putting on that hat, what you know, what did you find the most challenging about that? Uh, well, there were a lot of things that were challenging because I hadn't really done a lot of it before. But uh, I think certainly the political side is the hardest thing for me in terms of having confrontations and maybe having to fire somebody. Okay, is really was you know that can be pretty challenging. It's just not. It's never a pretty thing, and it's just kind of part of the part of the business. Yeah. Um, and so that that part of it, some of the more interpersonal things, um, and then it just technically speaking. Mixing was, you know, mind-numbing for me. Yeah. Because it's hard enough for me to want to do another take. Like, I always yeah. just want to keep the first take. Okay. And then it's like, and then you get into critical listening and then mixing and, you know, you hear the songs hundreds of times. Yeah. And uh, that that's a pretty tough part for me, too, because I'm just a little more spontaneous, yeah. uh, generally speaking. And mixing is not spontaneous. So how active do you plan to be? Because, you know, your day job, which is playing in Dwight's band these days, um, you know, you're around the country, around the world, you know, pretty much most weekends. Like, how how do you plan? Because, I mean, your music is is really, really great and I think needs to be heard and continue to be heard. You know, you've got the record Decider, which came out, how long ago did this come out? 2012, so it seems like only yesterday to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was at the end of 2012. Okay, so just over a year. But how do you how do you plan to That's a good question. Keep, keep that going? I, I uh, This year, I was able to kind of tag some shows on in some other towns where I was going to be playing with Dwight, um, and then a couple of trips that I made just on my own. Uh, Texas was a really good market, and I, yeah. you know, basically learned that from from Dwight. Yeah, working for Dwight. I mean, there's an audience there uh, for live music generally and live entertainment, but also you know this kind of music that I'm doing, which is kind of called roots Americana or rock and roll or the, these kind of terms. Yeah, there, there's an audience there for that. Yeah, that'll go. They're not musicians. It's not an audience of your peers. Yeah, it's an audience of audience members and fans and music lovers and they and dancers and whatever. And it's a kind of a, it's a different thing from being in L.A. So right. I got down there to Texas and uh, one time to Oklahoma to uh, kind of build it up down there. And then I've played a lot of shows here in California, and it's uh it's tricky because, you know, I would I um I'm gonna have to do both for the foreseeable yeah. future. You know, yeah. I can't stop doing either one. Right. Um, well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Well, because, they're both really personal things. And the, yeah. the financial side, less and less, is a part of it. I mean, they're both really personal things for me. I obviously love being able to write songs and sing and play with this band that I love uh, and express myself in that way. But, you know, working for Dwight is, is uh, you know, it's something that I really uh, treasure. It's, yeah. it's a, I'm proud of it. I I'm happy to be doing it. I agree with him. I'll follow him. Like he's a good leader. Uh, 
you know, they're both things that are pretty close to my heart. So. And what a mentor to have. Uh, yeah, and not and he doesn't do it directly. I mean, you know what I mean? He yeah. doesn't ever tell. Well, it's a lot of times the best mentors, you know, don't. They're kind of hands off, like a, like a, and you think like of a, I'm trying to think of a good metaphor here, like a gentle guiding hand. Like if you're going in the wrong direction, they'll just give you a little. <laughs> the gentle guiding hand. They'll just give you a little nudge. Yeah. But then they'll let you go. It's like like a chicklet or something. Like you know, the mom's the chicklet's going to go do what it's going to do. It's but a But then if like you get that. too close to the ledge. She'll just push you back just a little bit and then let you go off and have your adventure. Yeah. I, I just I always just say that, you know, to to be able to watch him uh work his own career is kinda of, I mean, that you can't you can't help but learn from that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just to, about the business and about art and these kind of larger these larger questions that all singer songwriters and all people in this business are asking themselves about the future and about yeah, what is authentic and right. th- these kinds of things. So, yeah, there there couldn't be for me a better a better person to watch. So they're they're both things that are real close to my heart. And then, you know, producing too is is kind of a um, a long term goal. Right, you know what I mean. I, I want to do it and get into it. It's not, um, you know, it's just kind of learning how to do it and, yeah. and compiling experience it's like you said it's part herding cats and it's part administrative and it's part like personal manager and it's part cheerleader yeah and it's part accountant well and all those things it's just very it's a personal thing it has very much to do with the relationship and it's a people it's a people skill definitely people-based skill and music is a big part of it obviously you're talking about music but mostly it's people and so it's it's something that i like and i'm pretty good at but i can get a lot better yeah and you know I just I remember working with working with Rod. It got to the point where uh, he would call me and put his girlfriend on uh-huh. on the line. He'd go, "Hey, it's Rod. Talk to Kate huh. and put her on." And, I, and she and I would like explain what was happening. Interesting with um, you know, she's the, like a translator. Well, kind of like the the business side. Well, she would want to know. You know, I think you know they just were trying to figure stuff out and and. Uh, would just be like, oh, we'll just call Brian. Brian's the producer, and we can talk to him. And I, you know, talked, met, yeah. became close with his folks, you know, his family's brother, yeah, um, and and just everyone. It's a great family, you know, and is, he has a great girlfriend and a great family. And I mean, I got kind of in, yeah, uh, you know, certainly involved with this with this family, and it's great. And it's and like I say, it's a big part of it. It's just a really big part of it, like you say, being a cheerleader and a, yeah. And whatever, whatever they need. Exactly, whatever they need. <laughs> I have two more questions for you, and then we're gonna and we're gonna kick you out the door here. I know okay. you're busy, and I am too. Um, first one is this is kind of a detail thing because, like, when you were on the show last time, you know, three years ago or so, um, the Dwight thing was just starting to happen. You were doing fill-in gigs. You know, like at one point, like, how long you been playing with him before, you, like, you became a guy, the member of the band, where it was like it wasn't a fill-in job. You knew. Okay, I am now in the band wherever Dwight's playing. I'm going to be in. I'm going to be doing that. Like, how did me? First of all, when did that happen? And how did that? Like, what did that feel like? I played starting in April of 2011. I have played every show with him since then. Okay, and you run three pairs. And I'm on three pairs, the, which is the record most, to date most recent record. Uh, yes, um, but you know, and that and I started recording that you know summer of 2011. So, but I have to say, I it really took a long time till I really felt, um, you know, comfortable with it. And in some ways, I still don't. I mean, I, yeah. I learned pedal steel for the gig, and I I just feel like 
some of these instruments that I play for him, accordion and, and pedal steel, I just have, a, you know, mandolin, have a long way to go on these instruments. And so uh, I don't, I, ha- I still don't feel completely comfortable with it. Yeah, and just so people are clear to step back for just a second, your role in the band is very, very unique because you're yeah, kind of like, you're like the utility guy. Yeah. And you play everything, which is something you've always excelled at. You're just a musical guy. Like you walk around, you pick up something. You always hear about people like that, and you you exemplify that. Yeah, I do. And it's it's I'm a piano player and a singer, and that's a big part of the job. And then the rest of it is kind of like um, I'm better at some things than others. I'll say just to be yeah. to be nice to myself. And there's certainly an element where it's like you know pick this up and try it. Yeah. Uh, with you know with Dwight, so. And that's good. He has he has the kind of freedom to do that. Yeah. Just with you know with himself. He he's not he's not real uptight about it. Yeah. I mean, he hired me to play steel. I'd never played it before. Yeah. So I, I was learning on the gig, and and it really took a year of playing shows before I stopped just being crazily nervous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Pedal steel is like this octopus instrument. This whole other yeah. thing with the it levers and, and the stuff. volume and it's, the it's intonation. It's not even that. It's, yeah, well, you just said it. It's the intonation. I, I feel like the foot pedals and all the picking is is um, not, cra- not crazily hard to learn as much as just keeping the thing in tune. The same thing with fiddle. But like try, trying to keep the pedal steel in tune, especially you know Playing, playing live, playing at like jet engine decibel level, right? Uh, was was and is challenging, and certainly the first year, or year and a half. I mean, I never had a show where I felt comfortable ever. <laughs> well, that's just it because if you're playing at jet engine volumes, if you throw a clam, all God's children know. Oh yeah, that you've thrown a clam at that level. Yeah. Well, and uh, and I said that I actually said that to Dwight one time. I said, you know, I don't because I started off playing without the picks on my right hand because they were throwing me off and he didn't like that. So I put the picks on and I said, well, Dwight, you know, when I make a mistake, it's going to be twice as loud. And he goes, well, if you don't make a mistake, it'll sound twice as good. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so Dwight yeah. Yoakam has all these things that should be on t-shirts. Sure. Yeah. Like he told Eugene, <laughs> never turn down. And I was like, that's the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. He's told him, don't be subtle. Never, you know, cause yeah. everything's maxed all the yeah. like knobs on the gene was, um, I'm sure. I guess he told you he's potting the guitar. Yeah, and he goes, "No, no, don't do that. Just all the way up." All yeah, it. never turn down, <laughs> never man. Turn down. I love it. I absolutely love it. So we've got about enough time. But one more question, man. I, okay. I could talk to you all day. I mean, both as a friend and as a music guy, uh, I, I love these conversations. I know it could go on and on. What have you got planned for like the rest of this year? Like, what's your future looking like? You've got the Dwight gig, kind of. That's your gravy gig. Um, you're producing some stuff. You're going to do some shows, and you're like, what? Tell me what your your plan is. Well, you know, I'm gonna keep doing Dwight as long as he's doing it, as long as he'll have, uh, as long as he will have me. I'll keep I'll keep doing those gigs. I love it. Um, I think that this year he's gonna be hitting it pretty hard, so I'm mostly gonna be doing that like last year. Um, but I'm going to finish uh, my next record, which I'm getting to the. I'm basically getting to the mixing, okay. entering the mixing phase, finishing up overdubs. So hopefully soon I'll have another record to. Uh, put out into the world and then more producing. I'm uh, going to start producing a young woman named Amy Blaschke, who's a great singer songwriter. And that's, uh, I'll be doing that at Mark Rain's studio also. And that's, that's the foreseeable future for me. Very nice. Yeah. Brian, 
Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for supporting the show in the beginning. Thank you for continuing to support the show. It means the world to me to have you as a friend and also as a musical confidant. So keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great stuff, man. All right. Thank you, sir. Baby, you're so beautiful. Baby. Lock and key, Sean, Layla, thank you. So very much, both for being here and being part of the show, being part of the show a couple years ago, supporting the show, and playing tonight. It meant a lot to me personally, and you guys did a great, great set. You do quiet music, and I said the same thing. I I know for a fact I said the same thing. Like Whenever you guys were on the show, I love quiet music. You're still doing quiet music, and it's beautiful. What are you up to? Well, first of all, thank you for having us, and thank you for introducing our quiet music, which was very appreciated. Um, We are working on our second record now. We're trying to get a little artier and a little more creative and outside of the Um, box with it. More artier. More artier. That's my uh, my grammar school education revealing itself. (laughs) But um, yeah, we've actually been working on it for a couple of years now, and are hoping to finish it by the summer. Summer of 2014. Mm-hmm. Is your music summer music, winter music, fall music? How do you perceive it? Because I know what I think lock and key music is. But what is it to you? The whole idea kind of started in the summer, so I think you probably think it's summery. would be my guess. Am Could I right? Be. Could be. Because it's... What do you think, Layla? Well, no, when the first record came out, that was what we were hearing back. I think kind of when we released it into the press, they were saying like summertime record and it was very like floaty and airy fairy. I think it's hard. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's hard to figure out though, because Sean and I come from such different places, like where we're writing and where we're performing from. I think that it has kind of this really subtle tension that you don't recognize that makes it harder to define. Like, yes, it's summary, but there's a lot of depth to it and sort of an undercurrent of not darker subject matter but I don't know I think it's very rich and I think that happens because Sean and I are so different in our songwriting I, I think it, it started off as a summer project I don't know if, if it necessarily is going to stay that way but um, the new record we put no rules on it at first I had some different ideas of which directions it should go and then ended up just starting writing songs that kind of not necessarily had anything to do with any with each other but they just they were totally different songs, and we just decided no rules. It kind of like a, kind of like a Beatles record where you had all these weird songs on it that just didn't necessarily, uh, not fit, but I don't know. Just it's a weird collection of songs, and we're just we're we're gonna do a bunch, and we're gonna eliminate some and take it down to like ten or twelve, and uh, yeah, we're just we're just putting it out the way we want to put it out, and uh, not put any rules on ourselves. So what you're gonna hear is just. An unusual collection of songs, and I do have to say some of them are inspired by Sondheim, so it's oh, very... Oh, that's, that's, that's a very harmonically rich place to find inspiration in music, because that guy, I mean, cast aside key, cast aside traditional instrumentation, like you're, you're arranging for action on like a, a visual, mm-hmm. you know, and honestly, Leia, this ties into what you do as a visual artist. When Sondheim, he's writing for something that's happening on stage, and you are such an adept visual artist, all the lock and key album art, uh, artist, art you've done for other records. Your music is very visual. It's evocative of visual images. And, and like, to, to, to tie it all back together, at least I hope, 
it's summery, but yet fall, but yet winter. Spring is the is spring is the season I don't hear in lock and key music. From a completely conceptual perspective, I could see spring kind of resonating in the next record um, because we are coming from a different place. I think the first record we felt like it had to be a little more cohesive, like as a whole, the entire sound. Um, and then this time, I taught myself how to animate and I started doing videos and then we started playing around with um, filming videos for the last record and now I think we have that consciousness when we're writing songs there is a a more of like an abstract and experimental cinematic awareness even when we're songwriting like oh and here's the image for the video that we want to do with this so I'm seeing it and I think Sean too is more of a kind of multimedia art project again um, all the pieces coming together. Sean, Layla, thank you so very much. You guys are such great supporters of, of what, I, what I've been doing. Uh, it means a lot to me to have you guys here. It means, it means more than you know to have you play tonight. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for having us. It means the world to us. Thank you, Joe. And uh, hopefully uh, maybe 5,000 more. I mean, we're just at 100. Maybe 5,000. <sighs> you know, I've been thinking about that numerical nu- numerology. Ten thousand. I mean, five thousand is not even that big of a number. Maybe twenty thousand. I like the sound of that. Sean Hoffman. <laughs> thank you, Layla Akramon. Thank you, Joe. Lock and key. I'm sitting with the incomparable Eugene Edwards. Good talker, great guitar player, good human being <laughs> all the way around. And fairly early guest on Independence Day. You were one of those guys. Like and this, yeah. is, this is coming up a lot. Like I've somehow managed to get people who were there from the very, very beginning. Yeah, well, uh, uh, it was it was it was back in the uh, the KPCC days. It no, was back or, in the yeah, well, we went, Pasadena City College where we started off correct. taping the show. And you came in with a full band to Trio. do your show. And it's funny, like looking back at it now, like things have changed from my end. Like I really want to find out how things have changed from your end. Mm-hmm. But things from my end, I mean, not only am I not doing the show at PCC anymore, mm-hmm. and God bless them they were extremely helpful um but like the gear they got over the course of the show improved so (laughs) dramatically that i feel like you got short shrift because your band is so like hot oh yeah oh thank you Um, players it it was funny now i I remember even before i came in with the band though i did a little true 15 minute thing with you you came in, and, like, and so that was in a separate room as well. That was also on campus. Right. You, came in just with an acoustic. Speaking of beta, we were just laughing about KRS-One <laughs> before this, and was there a KRS, a beta version, 0.5? If he tested himself out before in, he came in. Indeed, test marketing yeah. in, a, in a smaller market, secondary mm-hmm. market. But you were the guy who came in, like you were a close enough friend that I need, when this show was a class project. Oh, there you and go. And I needed someone to come in and like who would, who could, would be... A good musician, a good talker, and would make it easy on it so I could get an A on the project, sure. honestly. Yeah. And because I had no idea this was going to, you know, three years later, I'd still be doing it. No, look this. at all this, yeah. And so thank you yeah. for like being my oh. KRS.5, <laughs> man. <laughs> I was your beta. No, it was a pleasure. And, and uh, uh, we went in there and I played a tune on acoustic guitar. Had, uh, and then. Um, and then later on, yeah, you called and said, well, I've kind of expanded a bit. We have a bigger room. Uh, I'd like you to bring a band. I said, sure. So we brought some Mike Sessa. Soupy came in with his drums. Davey Michelle came with his bass rig. We set up some vocal mics and, you know, small room, but very live sounding. Yeah. And, and uh, we just kind of kind of ripped loose and chatted. And, um, and I remember we had a great time. And I remember Davey also was very impressed. He didn't know anything about the show. And I don't think he... I don't know if you guys had met before, but yeah, we but had met. We kind of ran in the same circles. I didn't know him super well, but I knew of him. But and then his he band, was excited to do it. He was like, "Well, I should do this with the bullies," and I said, "Yeah, you should." And 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 after that, 
afternoon, um, it was something I advised everybody to do because it yeah. was. And again, I, I know I've, I've, I don't know. I think I've told you this privately, but I'll say it on now here on the mic that I I had every reason to believe that you would that you'd be good at this. I had, uh, but I didn't know you'd be this, that good. At oh this. man! And and it and, and it's it's taken me by by surprise uh, uh, that pleasantly it's, it's a, I hope pleasantly by surprise <laughs> pleasantly by surprise. But it's one of those things where I've had you know I've I've told friends you should do this you should do your show you should do show, you're gonna have a great time and then even though i've these are friends of mine i've spoke to them for years and it seems as though i've known everything about them there will be stuff that i didn't know yeah i haven't used it i was like oh i didn't know he got there from there and did this way or they I felt didn't this know way you were this. a world-ranked shuffleboard player there's that yeah exactly uh there's you know there's, there's skeletons that people are hiding from me and joe armstrong manages to get them out so um but yeah, that was God. Well, and by the way, do you know the date on that though? When I went in there with the band, but you, you and your band were on the show July twentieth of twenty eleven. Okay, which so. seems like only yesterday in some regards. But man, there's been super big changes in your world since then. Yeah, since since that that show in two thousand eleven, um, the following year, April of two thousand twelve, I I started playing with with Dwight Yoakam. Started playing guitar with Dwight, as in uh, Dwight Yoakam, as in Dwight Yoakam, guitars, Cadillacs, uh, guitars, Cadillacs, Dwight Yoakam. And um, that came about through Brian Whelan, mm-hmm. also uh, a friend of the show. Uh, yes, and uh, uh, he, he had been playing with Dwight for about a year, uh, uh, taking the place of Josh Grange, who was playing pedal steel and keyboards for Dwight for for a number of years. And then Josh was going on to play with Katie Lang. So then, uh, and Brian had substituted for him on a few shows, but uh, over the past. But but then Brian got the full call to come in, and Brian plugged in. And I remember saying, "Well, if the guitar spot ever opens up." Let me. I, I, I'd love to do it. So, uh, how much cash in a briefcase did you give Brian Whelan when you said? If that you sentence? think about it, I met Brian on his twenty-first birthday. Yeah, the kid. He, we, I called him the kid forever. I, I've tried. I've weaned myself from referring to him that, uh, as as the kid. Um, and he played my band for a long time. He claims I'm kind of the first guy to take him out on the road at all. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, the moral of the story is if you meet a really young, wildly talented person, be as nice as you can to that person. Absolutely. Um, so, so, so I get this. So I remember I finished jury duty one day. Uh, we uh, closed early and, and then I got home around lunchtime and then Brian called and said, hey, you know, Dwight wants you to come down to the studio. They're wrapping up the three pairs album. They're just putting the finishing touches on that at the time. And he says, you know, I told, you know, told Dwight about you because Eddie's going back to, to play with the Mavericks. Um, and, uh, so I said, I said, you'd be good for it. So I went down and talked to Dwight. And at the time it was really, you know, there was uh, a handful of shows in April that they at least they knew they needed someone to, to, to substitute for Eddie to fill in. Um, but the, uh, but it was like, yeah, but it could be, it could be more than that. And so I had been playing his stuff since I was like 14. Yeah. I grew up in Arizona. In a country band for years, we we played a, a lot of Dwight Yoakam. So he, so Dwight asked. He said, "Are you familiar with my my older stuff?" And I said, uh, "I said you do it in the same key." And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "Okay, yeah, then I'm I'm good." You know, so I got a hold of the set list. I had a couple of weeks to prepare. Um, there was a, a few songs uh, with which I wasn't familiar, um, but but all in all, it was a it was a pretty easy study. Uh, and then I got a rehearsal. Uh, with the, with the rest of the band, just kind of learning the ins and outs, the, right. the way the set was, and all, and learning the guitar changes. That actually ended up being the the thing I really needed to learn. Like, yeah. when do I switch from this telly to this other telly? Yeah. Uh, and and when, it's not like playing at our level, I should say, or or like the the playing around town level, where it's like 
the only time you switch this telly to the other telly is when you break a string on the first no, telly. Exactly. Yeah. No. It's it's. I mean, it's fun. It's it's. I mean, I remember being a kid. Uh, you know, would watch concert or. or Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers would be the classic one where there would be some concert video of them or some performance video of them. And and I'm not exaggerating. There's uh, literally every song, Tom and Mike yeah. Campbell are playing different guitars. Yeah. And it's like, really? You, it's, yeah. <laughs> come on. I mean, so... Uh, it's between that and like Patterson Hood wrote that song, Road Cases. Like uh-huh, when you're a I've kid... Well, he's from Drive-By Truckers. Oh, okay. Uh, well, but that's like, it's romanticizing. Like when you're a kid and you're like looking at your idols, your bands, it's mm-hmm. like the things that you idolize are like, well, someday I want someone to hand me guitars and I'm going to have all those road cases, you know, yeah. with all the stuff in them. Because that's right. how your gear gets from town to town and mm-hmm. country to country, state to state. Yeah. So now you're that guy. Uh, yeah. With the orchestrated well, sure. guitar changes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and so that's the part. Is like, and then so people sometimes ask me about the different guitars um, you know, guys will come up and they want to know everything about all the tells and their wives will stand there and sometimes they'll pipe up. So why do you need all those? Which yeah. is re that's a re and sometimes I think, you know, ma'am, I, I don't quite really know. Like I, I could tell you why, but ultimately if all the other guitars fell apart and there was one just right there in the rack, I, yes, I could do the show. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we do it because we can. Yeah. Um, well, you're doing it at this level. My own girlfriend has, I mean, I've tried to, and she knows music in and out, back, front, left to right. She knows music. Mm-hmm. And she plays nine different instruments, among them bagpipes. Okay. And, but I try to explain to her, like, well, if I, you know, won the lottery or mm-hmm. what have you, had a big windfall of cash, well, it's like, okay, I've got to have a couple tellies and a couple strats and a couple rickies and a couple of this and that, and then 12 strings, and then, mm-hmm. you know, then I want this era of strat, and then a later. <laughs> and, and she's like, well, why do you need all those? And I'm like, well, it's, it's not about avarice. It's not about just amassing stuff. Honestly, yeah. I swear to Jeebus. Right. It's about, you know, when, you, when you're doing it at the level that you're doing it at, mm-hmm. these subtle differences may not be perceptible, you know, on the surface to the audience. Yeah. But every guitar has a different tone and different character and every pickup and mm-hmm. every type of fretboard wood and every gauge of string and every tube amp configuration. Like people have different amps in their back line for yeah. this very reason, mm-hmm. you know, and that, I guess that's my whole point is that there, it is justifiable <clears throat> at that level. Well, and, and also a lot of it in, in terms of our, our case with, with, with Dwight and the band, um, we like to use what we used on the record when we can. Yeah. Uh, so, so th- so that that's why you'll see there's four amplifiers behind me. There's two deluxe reverbs which are running. Together. Are they reissues or vintage? Reissues. Yeah. Uh, the blackface reissues and and uh, the extremely talented Bob Dixon, who's just kind of up the road from us here, um, not far from here at all actually. Um, he gooses them up for us a little bit, and it, and it's essentially what Pete Anderson had played through on all those original records. Yeah. Uh, he was a legendary deluxe guy. Legend. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And and so. Um, so there's that tone. There's, I mean, there's that thing that we're running for playing, you know, the deep catalog back, stuff. Open back, 112, 22 watts. Exactly. Uh, two of them. For those run, of you who are run, Running at about at five home. on volume, two of them at the same time. And then um, and then on the Three Pairs album, though, a, a vast, I mean, all the guitars were going through super, a, a Super Reverb or, or a Vox AC30. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, so I'm assuming you do have gearheads that listen to this. Okay. Oh, yeah. So Tech um, talk. if you can, you know, bring you know what 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 would we plan and thank god for pro tools because the engineers were notating throughout the, the making of the record yeah. what track was what so it's like oh it's it's an epiphone casino in the middle position going through the super okay so and so we'll do that because we can and um uh so 
that's why there's so much stuff. It looks, you know, that's why we have so much stuff up there. It does have function, and we're trying to really do it. And ultimately, we're trying to, to give the best representation of, yeah. of each song on the set list. And there's at least 30 songs we'll do yeah. on an average night, sometimes more than that. Yeah, one cool thing I saw you guys play, or saw you play with Dwight's mm-hmm. band up at Hardly Strictly. It was a year and a half ago now. Mm-hmm. It's up in San Francisco, mm-hmm. Golden Gate Park, one of my favorite live places. God, we could, I, could, I, could, in the I world could do an hour of how great that festival uh, Although I'm telling people not to go because I don't want it to get too <laughs> yeah. big. But so sorry, anyway, hard, so I, but and, and what and I remarked about you know it was cool seeing you like on that that big of a stage and like that kind of band because you know yeah. Dwight's a legacy artist in yeah, our yeah. world like all of our worlds we grew up I grew up with him too yeah and to you know it to, to see to see you playing with him and Brian playing with him and mm-hmm. Mitch and John as well it was, it's just fun to see like my friends up there playing with Dwight <laughs> but there was this moment this is a funny little rock star moment where you're playing a song uh-huh. and in the middle of the song. Your guy comes out, your tech comes out and hands you a mandolin. Oh, yeah. And so you're, you've still got the guitar strapped on. Mm-hmm. And this is a very rock and roll thing, <laughs> even though it's country. But Dwight's very rock and roll for very country. Very rock and roll show. And actually. now you're doing a little, you do a little mandolin solo. Mm-hmm. And then without missing a beat, the tech takes the mandolin back mm-hmm. and you jump right into the guitar, back right. into playing guitar. That's right. Like, that's cool, man. It is you're, cool. you're that guy now. I, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, well, to your point, uh, if, if anybody hasn't seen the show, uh, we wear uh, very, very um, sparkly. Sp- we'll just say very sparkly jackets. The band does. Yeah. We're, we're we're outfitted uh, in these uh, kind of you know in the in the style of the old nudie suits and Porter Wagner and, and you know really us and and, me, and Marty Stewart's guys. We're really kind of the only guys that still do that it's in this long tradition of those those suits. Uh, Manuel and actually our this guy Jaime in North Hollywood who makes our, our stuff now and and um, he had worked with Manuel. So there's a tradition of these guys that made this clothing and we're 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 carrying that torch. Um, so my point is I've got I can't hide when I'm up there. Yeah. I mean I'm dressed like a, I look like a chandelier with a haircut. And then um, and then you're standing just a few feet from this this icon. Uh, and, and so you got to do something. I mean, it, it's kind of, you, know, you yeah. better, you got to, so yeah. You got to be part of the show. You, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dwight's the type of guy he would rather, he'd rather you go 110% and, uh, you know, he'd rather ask you to pull back than, right. than encourage you to push forward. You know, and that's hard to feel thing. that out, like how you know, especially playing with an icon, like how to def- well, find your space. Do you have a story about that? I have. Yeah, here's the classic story, and you'll you'll appreciate this as a guitar player uh, and a frontman. Actually, um, the the first gig I did with them was up in uh, in Utah. Yeah, up in Utah, and uh, got you know did the show, and then uh, and then after the show. Uh, you know, he said, hey, great job. You know, he says, it's not easy to just kind of run in and uh, of all slots to, to fill the lead guitar. It's a lot of stuff. It's a great job. And then, and he said, uh, and he said, you know, by an hour later, he says, you know, he, was, um, he said, I really couldn't hear you that well though. He says, did you adjust the amps at all? I said, no, I left them, you know, it's our you know, normal settings. And he says, yeah, I really couldn't hear you. Um, and then I just said, well, you know, I was potting down and potting up as throughout the show. I mean, when you were singing, I would turn turning the, your volume down. I turn the guitar's volume down, right? And then when it came time for a a, a solo or some, some big lick, I would I would turn it all the way up and then play it. And he and he he said, "Oh," you, and he was shocked. And he said, "Oh no, don't do that." I said, "Don't do that." He goes, "Yeah, no, no, just leave it all the way up the whole time." He said, "Don't turn down, never turn down." <laughs> 
<laughs> now, as all the, that now, should be man, on a T-shirt. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. That should, well, here's the thing. So, as you know, what lead singer has ever told the lead guitar player, "Don't turn down." Yeah. Um, and then what he did there after that first night, he's he essentially eradicated any neurosis I could have possibly have yeah. had about the game. It's the it's the one worry you could you you would have from night to night is am yeah. I too loud? Right. Guitar players, we hate to be told to turn down. Yeah. So he just essentially said, Don't ever turn down. And so I just was I'm working for a guy for whom I can't be loud enough. And and after that I was it must have blown your mind. It did. And I, I it was the first thing I told my, my wife when she said, how'd it go? I said, well, it was fine, but you're not going to believe what he told me. Because that settled me in yeah. such a way. It settled me. And I, I knew. So now, uh, after it's almost coming up on two years now with him, and I go out there, uh, I'm, I'm ready to go full tilt boogie. I know that's what he wants. It's, it's what, he, it's what he, he demands. It's what he deserves. Yeah. And um, so it's an extraordinary job to have even if you it's an extraordinary job to have when you go out there and look at that guy's catalog i mean like look, look yeah. at that set list and i just think this is just ridiculous yeah embarrassment of riches as they say um well g- give me let me this because we've only got a couple minutes sorry. left here before no no don't apologize no. um we've got a couple minutes left here you know your life changed pretty drastically but i want to give yeah. people like a snapshot picture like you're a guy in dwight yoakam's band mm-hmm. these days who wasn't that terribly long ago a couple years ago three mm-hmm. years ago when you last played on the show yeah um, I want to know two things. First, primarily, give me like the one-minute summary of just what your life is like playing in the Dwight Yoakam band. Okay. You guys, you know, what it's like on the road. Sure. Because you guys are taking jets to do shows sometimes. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, because that, that's way <laughs> different than the Hopefully van. There's no Econoline. Yeah. No, no, there's no Econoline. No, no. Um, well, it, it's, it kind of depends on where, where we're going. Um, yeah, and this, this is not specifically about modes of transportation. Oh, I see. I just mean about like well, your, the treatment your is, is, life at this level, playing music at this level. A lot of people want to know what that's really like. It's, it's a dream job. Uh, it really is. And, and fortunately, um, it is. It's, it's, it's a lot of airports. It's a lot of cars. It's a lot of bus. Um, but um, the, and, and just having someone setting up that gear for you. Yeah. Um, alone is this whole other world, I, and I hate to sound like a bumpkin, but I just you know we just always just you just bring your own gear to the club, and when you go on the road, you you set it up, and now there's there's a guy. There's you walk guy on stage. You walk on stage. Your guitar and, is intonated, tuned. The amp is tweaked, biased, yes. uh, and everything's there, and it's turnkey. You walk on. Yeah. Now, having said that, you know it's great to have. Now, if something is a little funky or something's kind of wrong. You hand it off to them, and there's someone's going to be working on that. But I'm, you know, well, all of us in the band, we like to know what is going on with our gear. So, um, and I like it's like the romance of it, going down to soundcheck uh, early, uh, and just kind of watching them set this stuff up, and then talking about tubes and and uh, and, and and string gauges and what's going on with this guitar and what's going on with that, and um, it's it's just kind of a lot of fun to to be around. And also the our tech, uh, our our crew, um, they've they've been working with I don't know how many decades of collected experience there is up there. Um, Journeymen. They are are. fountains of information. Yeah. Uh, You know, the guy players themselves, they're players themselves. Uh, The guy that's uh, handling Brian and I right now, his name's Mondo Garcia. And amongst the people that he's worked for, you know, Neil Young. 
And so there's just great Neil Young stories. And whether about gear or about Neil himself, there's just, just they're guys are working nose yeah. to nose with these legends. Yeah. So so that's a great that's a great aspect of the job right there, the people you, you come across. But um we we're constantly it's funny because people ask us, Are you on tour right now? You're not on tour and we never really think of it's never really a tour. <clears throat> we go out the call. That sounds like we, a yes but. Yes, but it you know, weekend warrior is one of the, the phrases used. We we tend to uh We'll, we'll go out uh, for the weekend and, and we'll do two or three shows across the weekend and come home. Yeah. So my life... Which is a very civilized way to go about this. It, again, again, what, a, what an extraordinary guy to work for. Dwight you know, uh, likes to work that way. Um, occasionally, we went to Australia last... Well, a couple of years ago, November of 2012. So that was three weeks. You know, um, There's no way to, to do Australia <laughs> in a short way. Right. Um, or, or or even two weeks in the Midwest will we'll feel like, God, we've been on here forever. Yeah. And then you have to slap yourself and say, do you remember what you used to do? How You, you know, yeah. not that long ago. Um, so it's great. Um, the, the the trouble is I'm, I'm trying to avoid writing songs about hotel rooms. Yeah. Well, so, you know, there's that legend that Springsteen had a, when he lived in LA, had a room built in his house that was an exact replica. No. I don't remember if it was a Days Inn or a Motel 6. <laughs> uh, Is it really? And, and I've heard this from multiple oh, sources. I love it. We should, I should have to, conf- I should confirm this. Yeah. But, you know, like down to the same uh, like vendors, <laughs> like the, the two beds, like the crappy furniture, yeah, man. like the, you know, the, the everything. So, because he was so used to doing That's that, where he, wrote he would for go, so long. he wrote so much music in those types of rooms. He was comfortable <laughs> writing in those rooms. So when he wanted to go right he would like lock himself in the room and then write those things yeah that's great well if you can afford to do it do it man that's great yes well man i mean like one more question so I mean, but in the, two, in the so. middle here congratulations first and Thanks, foremost Joe. because i mean what a what a great you know turn of i don't know what the even the turn of life events you know mm-hmm. and, you, and you certainly i mean deserves a funny word because you know it implies all kinds of things but man if anybody deserves it as talented as you are oh thanks uh and as affable as you are and easy to work with as you are and as professional as you are if anybody deserves this kind of thing you do thank you um but lastly i want to touch on this real quick before we go um so now you've got this gig you know so you did a show with your own music relatively recently at oh, the yeah. mint mm-hmm. like where you know because you're a guy you're a writer you're, mm-hmm. you know, your own player, your own singer. And, you know, where does that fall into your universe now? Is it just kind of, uh, I don't want to say a shelf, but is it in the ether? Is it just kind of there? That Do it when you want question. it. I honestly don't have, an, I, I think the shelf is really kind of the, the most honest way to put it. It's because, you know, our travel schedule is constant. So committing. And sometimes changes. And, and, short and it notice. shifts. That's right. Exactly. So it's hard to schedule a show. Um, yeah. uh, so if, uh, and then, and then, in just the uh, in the two years' time since I've been with Dwight's band, what it means to have a record and release it has also changed. Right. Um, uh, so I don't know. I, I don't know how to how to go about putting out a new record. Or do you put it out even though you really can't? I'm think, definitely not going to tour it. Well, I think you should because you're. In, I mean, you know, if my opinion counts for anything, mm-hmm. you're in an opportunity where you've got the resources and access to the members. You know, these guys would probably play on your band and, or sure. play on your record in a heartbeat if you sure. wanted them to. Plus, your connections from before. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be easy enough. You know, to just oh yeah, go recording. And, it's not the, yeah, yeah, just record. release a record and because you know at this point, who cares whether you're touring on it or not? You've already you've maybe got, you're right. You've got the gravy gig. You've got the success. You've got the the like the your day job is a night job, but yeah. that job is in music and it's awesome. Yeah. So you're in a position where you can just do your music with no 
concern whatsoever whether or not it sells. It's nice. Whether or not some label gives the rat's ass about it. You just do it because you love it. And what a better way, what a great position to be in to make an album with no pressure other than the pressure you would put on yourself. All right. Okay, fine. That's your challenge, Eugene. That's my challenge. This year. Just put it out. Just do it, man. You could and you should. Okay, I will. Well, I I do. Do you have new songs? Are you writing? Well, there's the album that's already completely done and mastered and ready to go. In that case, I expect that's to see that by next on, Friday. That's the one on the show. Well, that's just it. I mean, in this day and age, I could, I could release a song a month on iTunes. Get that one out there. and Because what great changes to reflect in your art. Make some music, Eugene. All right. I'll make some music. Some of your own music. All right. See, you're such an inspiration. See, that's how good the show is. You're making things happen, Joe. I'm trying, man. Yeah. Eugene, you were my very first guest <laughs> when the show was the KRS.5 beta version that's of Independence right. Day. And here you are, a couple, two, three years later out there touring the world with Dwight Yoka. Man, thank you so much from You're the beginning of this thing to the end of this thing and I hope oh, to have you back on for the 200th show or the oh, 2000th well, hey, show could, or I whatever get that it's call. Be. I better get that email, man. All I'll, right, be, man. I'll be upset if I don't get it. Eugene, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Joe. Once again, checking with people who've been on the show, I'm so proud to be sitting with Michael, or Mike, Chalinski from Arrow Highway. He did this really awesome soundscape-esque album that's right up NPR's alley, which of course means it's right up my alley, too. It wasn't that long ago that you were on the show, so tell me, what have you been up to since early fall, late summer or Um, so? Yeah, actually, I I haven't really done too much. I've been taking a break. I played in a little improvised sort of gig i played percussion the other night to a an abstract film at a little place in glen um in la on on glendale there i think it's called pear space or something um but i haven't been doing too much so i've been waiting for inspiration to to rebuild and um i'm maybe my next move is i'm sort of expanding my little studio space into a another kind of taking over from the the old tenant downstairs and so that'll be good so People don't really, who aren't musicians, may not understand that like this break part of it is an essential aspect of making music. I waited for myself as a songwriter. I waited and, I mean, it blows me away to think about the Beatles writing the songs they did when they were 15 years old. But I myself, like for me, I had to wait until I was in my late 20s before I felt like I had lived enough yeah. and seen enough and sure. done enough to write the kinds of songs that I wanted to write about the subjects that I wanted to write about. I had to live. Sure. And I guess that was like a one long break in a way. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's been the evolution of pop music, rock music, right? From, you know, yearly or even more than that to, you know, fairly infrequent. Yeah. Depending. Well, and it's changed too because we, you know, the, the whole like album versus single thing vacillates back and forth. You know, for a while when the Brill Building was around, it was song pluggers and people who were trying to get one song yeah. recorded by somebody. And then in the, you know, then in the 70s, it became albums. Everybody wanted albums, like a whole album, a disc to spin, side A, side B, or the height of pretentiousness, a double album, the, uh, the lauded double album. But then now it's, we're back to almost a singles world again. Yeah. Also, we, I wonder too, also if, um, the, the less prevalent role of, of a record label because before, you know, is a factor because before, you know, you had to be a little bit more on a schedule, like, right. you know, and they would sort of push you and it, yeah. it would be, you'd be expected to, because otherwise, you, you know, they're not making any money. Yeah. If you're just sitting around like 
whatever for three years. We've been corporatized, or we had been corporatized. Right. And so I think now that, it's getting back. It's a little more organic. Yeah. I think it's a little more based on the artist's schedule. Yeah, having, having smashed that, that, that old model, which for better or for worse was the model, now that it's been broken into pieces, now maybe we're getting back to a situation where uh, you know, we're, we're artists, but we're humans. Yeah. And we've got families, and we've got th- books to read. And we've sure. got flowers to plant, and we've got things. To, no, serious. And, and dogs. totally serious. Dogs to love, and take on walks, and, and wives, and kids, and we've got all these things. And music is just one of the things that we do. And although it might, you know, in some parts of my life, it was maybe all consuming, but you need that. You need to live to have something to write about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a mysterious process. I mean, who knows how that works? It is a mysterious process. So, do you, so you, but you've been tinkering. This break, you've been kind yeah, of messing bit. with stuff here very, and there. Very, very infrequent. I mean, really haven't recorded much. Um, but I feel like it's coming. I feel like it's, yeah, I just, I, I have the urge now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it goes for me too. Like you do it, I guess it's just like anything else. Like you do it for a while and you get away from it. And then like you're totally fine for a while. And then you start to go, huh. Yeah. I kind of miss that a little bit. Yeah. I think I want to go do that. Yeah, or you hear something you think, wait a minute. I want to sit down at some kind of instrument. Yeah. Give me an instrument. You know, the phrase I've said for years, I can't not do it. Yeah. As much as I, you know, it's like, as soon as I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Like, I try yeah. to get away from music. Like, I always said, I, if I wasn't a musician, I could have a great car and a nice stereo and a nice TV. And, like, I could have stuff. I mean, I'm not into stuff, but I could have nicer stuff than I do. Sure, sure. But, you know, so, t- so tell me this. You're, you're starting to tinker. Do you think, because I love the sound of your last thing that you did. It was wasn't, so wasn't organic. Wasn't too, too lo-fi? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. It was great. I loved I, I, it. Okay. Love the sound of that. But so is your next thing going to be somewhat similar? Or are you going to bring some different elements in? Or do you, a, is it too early to tell? It's probably too early to tell, but it's a good question. Um, one of my, well, I was in a band in, in London in the 90s um, called Drugstore. One of the guys that played in that briefly and then did, you know, off and on a few things with us, moved to L.A. Um, somewhat recently, uh, last year or two. His name's Ollie, Ollie Krauss. He's a great cello player. He, did, he actually did the arrangement for the beginning, that spooky, ghostly beginning of that Beth Orton song. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, whatever, she cries her name or something. That, that It's to, a very weird, it up, hovering, weird, it's brilliant stuff. Anyway, he did that, um, wrote that, arranged it. So he's living here now, and I really want to try to see if I can get him involved. Because um, I think, I mean, that would be a, an obvious addition to that sort of languid. Yeah. Uh, ambient Soundscape. kind of yeah yeah those long throw- hovering sounds yeah I, I you know man it's <laughs> I, I really like the last record it was it was so like it was lo-fi but in an organic like cool kind of way like collage it was like a sound collage that's a good way I, I like that that that's to me that's what it is yeah. and I like the fact that you sort of see it that way so Mike I look forward to it man whatever it is you make make sure I hear about it okay You'll be one of the first. Deal? <laughs> sure. All right. Mike Chalinski from Arrow Highway. Thanks for being on Thank the show, you, man. Thank you, Joe. All My right. pleasure. One of my dearest friends in the world and an excellent musician, his name is Joe Jenks. He's joining us remotely through the miracle of technology. Uh, he joined the show twice, actually, once doing a solo show. Actually, did it twice in the same year, I think, Joe. Is that correct? 
Uh, might have been, or maybe it was about a year apart, I think. Yeah. Yeah, not quite. I'm looking at here, we're looking at January of 12 and September of 12, of 12 is the time that you were on the show. Uh, I mean, it was great to have you. You're one of the the few people that have actually been on the show twice. No one's ever been a repeat guest as a, as a solo artist or a band. I've never had the same artist on twice. Um, but you're, you've got your hands in some different pies, and somewhere along the line, you've been a solo artist now for how many years? Uh, about 15 years, yeah. I mean, that's a very, very respectable career, uh, you know, for, and, you're, and you're a folk artist primarily, correct? Yeah, pretty much. That's how I describe myself, folk, acoustic, Americana, singer-songwriter. You know, there's lots of different, lots of different categories that, that they put us in, but yeah, it's all folk. And how many, how many solo albums do you have in that time, not counting the stuff with Brother Son? Uh, I've done 10 solo records, uh, in, in, and that was in about 10 years. Um, and then the last three years I've been with the trio and we've done uh, two records together in the last three years. And what was it that prompted you, you know, because, you know, you having somewhat storied career in the folk business on your own with your own name, building up your own career. What was it that made you decide to start a band at this stage of your career? Um, you know, there's just there's things that you can do energetically and musically with an ensemble that you just can't accomplish by yourself. I mean, you can't sing harmonies with yourself. You can't play lead with yourself and still hold down the rhythm behind it. You know, there's like, yeah. I mean, there's just, there's kind of musical energy and momentum that you build over the arc of a really good performance. Uh, and you can have uh, a broader and deeper impact, I think, a lot of times in ensemble than you can as a soloist. Now, there's certainly exceptions to that, but as a general rule, you know, I mean, we still on the road, we end up places some nights where it's like, wow, there's not a very big audience, or the sound system sucks, or there's, you know, one problem or another. And, you know, when you're by yourself as a soloist, you have a night like that, and it can be really demoralizing with the trio. You know, I mean, we're still making music together, and we're still having fun, and we're still doing it because we love making music together. And so, you know, it removes a little bit of the pressure for the audience or the venue or, you know, one facet or another of the gig to be totally satisfying. Because at the end of the night, if we made good music together, that was fun. Yeah. There's definitely, you know, it's an old adage, but the idea that the whole is, is bigger than the sum of its parts. And I think that definitely applies with a band. You know, and, and, it, and it also applies in the positive, positive and negative side. Like the, the amount of joy you can experience, uh, you know, am, is amplified as well as the logistical problems. You know, let's say that in a, in, a, <laughs> yeah. in a politically correct kind of way. Logistical problems, you know, when you've got more people and then more people have more problems. And therefore, you know, I remember, man, <laughs> at one point I had a band in Chicago where I had... You know, I had like, I don't know, 12 or 13 people in uh, for a particular show. I mean, and just scheduling a rehearsal with that many people was like, eva you know, invading Normandy or something. It was, it was impossible yeah. to get everyone, yeah, everyone's schedules totally on the crazy. same page. And Joe, you know, one of the thing I want to bring up here, I'm, I'm, this is the one, perhaps the saddest thing about this event is that when I started talking to you about this way back in December, whenever, you were like, oh man, that's really, really great. I think I might try to fly out there for that. And you went so far as to actually purchase a ticket. But where you are on the road during the time when we taped this, you were in Newark. And tell me what happened. Yeah, well, I, I was driving to the airport in the middle of a blizzard um, the day before your show out in L.A. And, um, uh, and, and I got a call from Southwest Airlines saying my flight had been canceled. And I called them to try and reschedule. And there was physically no way 
that I could get to LA in time for your show, I would have gotten in at like nine o'clock at night that night. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I was just, I was so bummed because I was really looking forward to being there to help you celebrate your hundredth episode of Independence Day. And, um, I just, I think it's a great show and I'm glad you're doing it. You know, there's a lot of us out here in all different kinds of genres. Um, you know, and let's face it, I mean, the whole, you know, segmenting of the market into genres is about saleability by the industry. And the whole point to independent artists is to sort of stand a little bit in defiance of the industry and say, look, we're taking out the middleman and we're bringing music directly to our fans. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I just I think it's great that you're doing this show and that you are highlighting musicians from lots of different kind of musical styles and traditions, uh, because I think it it helps listeners and musicians alike understand that there really aren't so many walls between us. They're pretty artificial. I mean, what we have in common is that we all love making good music. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Joe. And I think uh, you know, in uh, to, to lend a little bit of levity to that, it's a great sentence, by the way. But to add a little bit of levity to it, I was just looking for your help because I wanted some help carrying all that gear I had to schlep in and out of that place. Man, I had to do it all. I had to do it all by myself. You know, I had a PA system and a bass rig and a guitar rig and a keyboard rig and all that stuff. And man, I could have used a little bit of help. And you're just the kind of guy for that kind of job, Joe. <laughs> you wanker, blaming it on a yeah. blizzard. You just didn't want to carry yeah. the stuff. Uh, no, honestly, man, I mean, really, it was it was heartbreaking to get that call. You know, I'm, obviously, I wanted you to travel safely, and it wasn't just your flight; it was all the flights. It was a pretty big storm. Oh man, storm. it was just they just um, shut down the northeast for two days. It was crazy. Yeah, so maybe uh, we'll just have to make sure you're here for the 1,000th show. I think maybe. How about that? And let me tell you, though, it'll be a lot more gear to carry, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, well, we both had better have some decent roadies by that point. <laughs> Indeed, I hope so, man. And I hope so. Joe, thank you so very much for all your support over the years and your friendship over the years. Uh, oh, you bet, you know, man. It's been, an honor, it's been an honor to have you on the show. I wish I could have got you here to perform for us tonight, but, you know, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take the friendship. That's the most important thing anyway. Keep making music, okay, buddy? Yeah. Yep, you too, man. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. Bye-bye. I am now sitting with one of the coolest guys in Los Angeles rock. He grins, he demurs, he's going to be bashful about it, but I'm sitting with Davey Michelle. Hey, Joe. It's nice to be sitting across from you, too. It's nice to see you again. It was in August of 2011 when you and your band, Neighborhood Bullies, and it's not The Neighborhood Bullies, right? Yeah, it is. It's, it's the, the Neighborhood, neighborhood Bullies. That's yeah. a big thing for bands because Pink Floyd, when they started off, was The Pink Floyd. Right. There's a few early posters of them. Since, you know, we've been around for a long time, and uh, since we've been going, there's a band now called Neighborhood Bully. Okay. And I'm not sure how aware of us they are, but I'm pretty sure we beat them on the copyright. Yeah. Are they, where are they, though? Are they here? I think they're up north, and they're a ska band. Okay. So is there going to be like some kind of like celebrity death match? Yeah, there'll you, be a face-to-face. I think, I think there needs to be, because that's the thing. Like the reputation of, I mean, you're the, like the nicest guy in the world, but the reputation of the bullies is like you're this like hard-edged, kind of raw, but not raw in a Sex Pistols kind of way, but just like raw rock and roll. We're, yeah, I mean, we're just... We're just dudes playing instruments and you, singing. Yeah, you turn up amps loud. <laughs> oh, and very you, loud. And you write these rock tunes. And I mean, and I love it. I mean, I, I, I don't get out to see bands as much as I would like to. But every time I see your, your gig postings, wherever they are, Facebook or whatever, I think, God, I got to go. I got to see the bullies. I haven't seen the bullies in a long time. Well, you know, it just keeps getting better and better because, you know, we're just 
we're just uh we're like best friends yeah and how many shows are you guys playing these days? We usually play once a week or every couple of weeks. Okay. So it's fairly Around often. Southern California. Yeah. Are you getting, how far from LA are you getting? Well, we just came back from a tour a couple, about a month and a half ago. Uh, we, we did the East Coast. Okay. And we're planning a West Coast tour and we're going to be opening for the Bell Rays. Oh, nice. And uh, who are one of my favorite bands from LA. Yeah. And uh, so that's going to be happening. And so we get out, but we like to, you know, Southern California is the size, basically, of the rest of the country when you right. when you count the venues. Yeah, so uh, it's nice yeah. to drive and drive back. Yeah, well, it's nice. It's I think it's important for bands to get out of their hometown too, because oh, yeah. you can get a situation where you're playing too much in your hometown, because then it's not an event, and right. it gets kind of gets washes out a little bit. Yeah, you just got to you know? get out of. Uh, but Southern California is so big, it sort of yeah, it works it's out. A challenge, you know, back east. Like the driving you do around Southern California is almost like going from Boston to New York back yeah. and forth. Totally. You know, just from gig to gig. And uh, let's see, what was, you're right about that because uh, when we were in New York, there were people there who just know us from the radio out there and, you know, and came to see us who we've never met and singing the words and stuff. Yeah. And so. And they were probably down also, from Boston for the day. Yeah, it's almost something more thing. special. Than your hometown. Your yeah. hometown, you know, it's tough. Plus, our hometown is L.A., and I don't even... We don't have to get into it. You know, it's been right. hashed. It's been played out a million, million times. Yeah. And you know, one of the other unique things about the bullies that I think is very interesting is that you've got kind of this, for lack of a better word, it's like a rotating cast of, of players. Well, you know, everyone is, that, is, that is so good, they get hired away. Okay. Like Eugene, who was just on your show, yeah. and, and Brian Whelan, you know, they all play with the bullies, and it's, you know... Uh, it's a, the reason it seems to rotate is because everyone's so good. Yeah. And then, you know, there's That's a good problem. There's situations sometimes where it's not working out, but you know, where everyone's friends and yeah. we all still play with each other in other bands. Yeah. And it's, it's fortunate. I mean, you, it's like, you, you couldn't do that in like, I don't know, Oklahoma Cleveland City. or yeah, Oklahoma City. <laughs> because, you know, here the talent level is so high. There's so many people. Like, there's so many. If, if, X player can't come onto the gig on Thursday, you know, you've got a list of 20 guys you can probably call it. Yeah, plus, you know, they're all your friends. And and also, um, back east, there's a more of a, uh, an ethic, you know, I'm in a band, this is my band, this is yeah. it. But out here, you know, we're trying to make a living at it out here. And because of the way it's set up, which we decided we're not going to talk about, you got to be in multiple bands. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing. You know, it's LA has kind of a less than great reputation about that, how it's kind of... Uh, it's mercenary in that regard. Everybody's everyone's on the make scamming the bands all the time. Yeah. Well, no, I mean in the bands themselves, they're they're kind of everybody's on the make. They're like every every musician is also an actor and a screenwriter. Right. And everybody's trying to. Well, find, I'm not. I'm only a musician. Yeah. Um, I'm a musician. And I guess I'm radio <laughs> now too. But those are those are loosely related. It's kind of the yeah, same broadcasting. thing. Broadcasting. Broadcasting media is what we call it. Media now. now? Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm just trying. Exactly. I'm just so trying. that means broadcast the broadcasters. The name for a band is up for grabs. It sure is. It is, and now it's retro. That's what I mean. Because yeah. you're not. I mean, there is broadcast, but now it's an archaic term almost. Because right. the reason it's media is because it's it's not just broadcasting. Because TV is not on the TV anymore. Yeah, they TV's tore down your... the fifty thousand watt uh, radio station by where I live. Yeah, I Did always you... wanted to get that. So place. you don't get the buzzing in your head anymore. Well, yeah, I miss it too. <laughs> My fillings are calmer, and I miss yeah. that whole tingling sensation. There was a guy in college who lived next door to a ham radio guy. And they were all musicians in this house in Decatur, Illinois. And they'd be sitting there like, and they'd just play some tunes and leave their amp on. So it'd be a half stack in the living room. Yeah. And they'd be watching TV. And all of a sudden at like a hundred decibels, you'd hear their neighbor. Because yeah. they'd left their amp on. Well, you've played a text. Oh, we both totally. played a text. And you know, 
you get the Spanish yeah, radio station. And the, and, the and the cab drivers yeah. and stuff like that. So I think it's really cool. It almost adds to the music. I mean, it's L.A. music. Yeah. Let's get yeah. that. Yeah. It's very spinal tap, but like, man, you got <laughs> you to go with it, though. You do, because if you, you stop, that's all they hear is the radio. While you're playing, it sort of muffles it. Totally. And well, that's just the thing. It's, it's going to happen. You yeah. Know? So fighting it is just going to... It's going to make it worse. Right. So tell me, just give me real quick. We don't have a ton of time. And thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me uh, to come in back your and home. In my home. This is my, this is my home studio here. Uh, and, but thank you. Uh, very, very nice to see you. And very nice to have you come out. For, I mean, because it's short to have somebody come out to do something like this that's so short. But yeah, but we're neighbors. I mean, I only live the next town over. Yeah, it's not too far. Are you in Burbank? Where are well, you? I'm in North Hollywood. Oh, yeah, it's only a town over. Um, but tell me right now. You know, when you guys had, when you were on, the Bullies were on the show, it was you, Mike Sessa on drums. It was Subi Mike Sessa, Mike Michael Subi Sessa, Michael, no, it was, uh, we've been on twice, I think, is what you're thinking. No, we were first only on. the one time, only the one time. I've never repeated a band. You're right. I played with Eugene. That's right. Right. You've been on twice. I've been on your twice. your band has only been on once. So let's see. Um, back then it must have been, so if it was, was it Tex, Mosley, Punk Rock, could have been. I could have swore it was Michael because Michael's only been on my show one time, and it was with your band. Is it with us or the Larks? He, the Larks haven't been on yet because the Larks haven't really been active. Right, they sort of are on hiatus. Okay, so then if it was Michael, it was probably me, Michael. It might have been Eugene. If I was playing with Eugene at the same time, it might have been Eugene. Could have been and Soupy. So much talent, man. And that's the those are the guys on the last record. Okay, and the first record, our first, the Neighborhood Bullies' first record. That's the team right there. And where are you in terms? Is is there what's the is there a second record? I'm I don't know actually. Oh no. well, you know, we uh, we had a EP come out almost exactly a year ago on Valentine's Day, and it's been on the charts. You know, it's been on the FMQB uh, charts, and it was congratulations. In the, thanks. They still have charts. I hear. I know both of our <laughs> singles. Uh, the first single, uh, "Fighter Not a Lover," um, was uh, got into the top ten. And I was amazing. And it stayed there for about 12 weeks. It got down to the top 20 and stuff like that. But the second one, they crossed each other. It oh, was nice. neat. They like tag teamed. Yeah. While one was going up and the other was going down. And the other one, uh, do you have a boyfriend? Nice. That's very Duran Duran. Yeah, have, like it one is. song going up the charts totally. while the other is coming down. <laughs> uh, so who's in the band now? Well, right now in the band for, for quite, a, five minute quite a while. For quite a while it's been. For a few years it's been uh, myself, uh, Greg West plays lead guitar and he's outrageous he's only 20 something years old and uh Those kids well he plays like a 60 something guy oh, who's like lived three or four like you know how your dog has like an old soul yeah this kid is like an old soul yeah and um we have sam park who you uh -huh. know you know really well i do know sam i've uh, been playing with the bullies for quite a while Good we human. have uh rayo coppola he's uh the drummer uh, you might know from smash fashion and he's been with us for a while and uh and let's see, um, Zach Jones, who you should have in. Zach okay. is an amazing artist. He just moved out here from Maine. He's, he's you know, the best, some sort of, he was in Rolling Stone recently. He's fantastic. He's got to be on your show. I'd love to have I him. I tried to get him to come with me today so it would be more interesting. Because oh, yeah. he's, you know, he's a nice guy. Anyway, uh, he's doing, playing keyboard, something we didn't usually, oh, we yeah. haven't had. We, I always just sort of on the record, I just did one-handed piano and stuff, but now Zach's playing one-handed piano and singing backgrounds and it's really uh, it's beautiful he's a beautiful singer very very nice man one thing I've always wanted to do because I love like the, the style of music you do like the amps and the way I like to play almost doesn't suit the songs I write because it's like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna... you, are you writing for the bullies uh, well I could 
but I've got an aggressive right hand. Uh-huh. I, I say that in all seriousness with the guitar, and I love like the, I, my my match list is like an AC30 on steroids, and I love just making rackets. So someday I want to sit in with the bullies. Yeah, man. One gig, just ma- I'll, rhythm guitar. I don't even care if I have a solo. I just love playing. I was thinking, I love the way Matthew Sweet plays. Uh-huh, he doesn't yeah, take like solos. He's just loud electric rhythm guitar yeah and like and then when i think about your band that's what i think and i, and I do try daydream to myself like yeah someday just just want to play rhythm guitar with the bullies for a game so thanks to me that's the best position in the bullies sam park yeah he just gets to play rhythm guitar and sing yeah and it's it just looks so much more fun than what i'm doing up there yeah well you're that's the thing that's unique about you you're playing bass and singing lead which sort is of like challenging. like brian wilson and yeah. paul mccartney <laughs> sting sting no everybody thinks that it's a rarity but there's almost like half the lead singers are bass players yeah. it's just most people don't realize you know what's interesting uh is i i feel t- i tinker Lenon. with the bass i uh the times that I've sang lead and played bass, that's the most, because I can sing and play guitar all day long. I can sing and play drums all day long. I can sing and even play accordion. But singing and playing bass... Because they're counter melodies to each other always. Is, and because the bass has to be so kind of precise. You're holding it down. You're the yeah. glue. And if that, if that gets out of whack, like the, the foundation of the band isn't solid... And it's like, I found that to be the most challenging dual thing it's to do. It's not just the anything. notes and it's not just the singing. It's the bass is swinging one way and your right. vocals swinging another way. Right. And you're trying to push and pull the time with your vocals, but the, or maybe the bass too, but they might not be doing the same thing at the same time. Yeah. So uh, kudos to you, man. You do, Thanks, you man. do it very, very well, well. If you have two minutes, I'll tell you exactly how to do it. You want to learn how sure. to do it? Okay. So you meditate. It takes like five, you meditate. It takes five minutes, 10 minutes a day. You stand up, you play bass. You picture a laser beam coming straight out from the base and a laser beam coming straight out of your mouth. And you imagine that there's like a ball the size of a tennis ball in the tempo of the song you're practicing, and it's moving up and down. And when it touches the laser beam coming out of your bass, you concentrate on bass. And when it touches the laser beam coming out of your vocal, and then the same thing, concentrate on your vocal. And then let the ball get bigger and bigger and bigger every day. And you only do it for like 10, 15 minutes. And then by, you know, three or four weeks or whatever, two, three weeks, you're done. You can sing and play bass because the ball eventually is touching both yeah. lasers at the same time. It encompasses time. both of them. Yeah, it's weird. There's a lot of meditative weird stuff about doing what I do. If I think about it, yeah, it just stops. I just freeze. But if I picture like my favorite cartoon or my kid's face or something like that, it's very easy. Yeah, the one moment where like I don't because I don't even think about singing and playing instruments at the same time. Well, what amazes me is I, I must know 4,000 songs, but I don't know where my keys are every other day. Yeah. And I lose my credit card every once in a while. You know, the other funny thing is, it's, I call this like the campfire deficit, because I love playing guitar around a campfire, like up in Yosemite, and I'll get, I'll sit down with my guitar, finally, we've created, we've made dinner, put everything away so the bears don't get it, mm-hmm. and I sit down, it's like, okay, I know that I know 4,000 songs, but why can't I think of any of them right now? Because <laughs> you're thinking. That's the whole exactly. thing. Hey, I read this awesome article in The uh, Economist, and I hope this doesn't give me away as a boring person, but I love The Economist. No, man. So they did this like 26, this is years ago, 26-page special science thing, and it was all about the brain and how the brain works. And they put like electrodes on the brains of people doing various jobs. And uh, for instance, the people... Uh, getting the lowest, using the smallest portion of their brains are people like on a uh, conveyor belt or brain surgeons because they've trained for so long to do one thing. Muscle memory. Muscle memory. And I mean, it's, this doesn't apply to all, but if you've had any good friends who are doctors, you sort I do. of... My, the guitar player in my they're band They're sort of socially right awkward, right? Because they have this brain that's trained so hard yeah. for one thing. And then the people who use it the most are mothers 
and musicians and athletes like that run marathons because mm-hmm. they the athletes have to use their brain constantly all of it to make sure they don't die right the marathon dudes mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just trying not to feel the pain and then the moms obviously forget about it and musicians just because they have to get out of the moment of what they're doing they're like using their whole brain so what you're saying is if not that they're f- any smarter Right. It might make you even less smart. Right. If we could find a musician, marathoner, mom. She, she could rule like the, the world. That's the trifecta. That's, that's our next president. That right should there. be our next president. I wonder if Hillary Clinton has run a marathon. I wonder if she plays bass. I know she's a mom. I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if she plays bass. Well, most politicians do. For instance, Lincoln, he was like a slapper. Nixon, he was like, you know, he's like all disco bass. Yeah. Bit and bit. Carter was like a, you know... Uh, Carter was like an things. upright guy, wasn't he? Yeah, he played upright, but he also played that thing. Uh, uh, Alexander Chapman Hamilton. Yeah, they all played, yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining Jimmy Carter playing a Chapman stick right now. Yeah. I, you know what? That's George a, Washington was like a bower. Yeah, he was all bow. Yeah, all bow. And he had this thing for cello, too. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you know what? One thing, one thing we didn't get to do, this is the one sad thing about this entire event, is that I, I brought a whole Pro Tools rig to record the live event that we did, and it pooped the bed. It has to do with a hard drive, and the manufacturer of the hard drive shall go nameless um, because they've been reliable in the past. But I have no music at all from this event. And I'm wondering, because as soon as you walked in, you picked up my Hoffner nylon string guitar. Yes. And you said you've got a new song. Would you indulge us? I would love to. Play a tune? Yes. I've never recorded it, or I just wrote it. It's really for a girl. It's a girl song. And I don't mean a girl, but it's a woman's song. Okay. Um, so the bullies may never do it important distinction yes and uh and i'd love to all right well cool davy michelle here on independence day one live track one for the 100th episode and those of you who know me know i don't really play guitar very well yeah so you have to be forgiving (laughs) we'll be the judge of that all right no man cool i'm thank you so much all right joe this is a song it's brand new i just wrote it it's called big man but it's really deserves a woman to sing it so if your listeners are out there and they're crazy awesome female singers they should do it okay big man you think you might be tough enough tough ain't all it takes If I'm gonna open up Wanna do it face to face You've been around long enough to know Just how it can taste Cause if you're gonna be with me want to feel you quake cause it takes a big man it takes a big man it takes a big big man baby to catch me when I fall Oh, whoa, whoa If you're gonna hold my heart 
safely in your hand You're gonna have to be real smart You got to understand You've been breaking hearts I know Got no wedding band But if you gonna make your claim on me Gonna have to land Cause it takes a big man It takes a big man It takes a big, big man Baby, to catch me when I fall Because when I fall, I fall so hard sometimes I need someone who will catch me Stay by my side So are you gonna step on up? Will you just pretend? Cause if you do I'll just stay stop Won't take it to the end Need a man who knows my needs One who won't run when I say please Cause baby if you want my love Gonna have to see Cause it takes a big man It takes a big man It takes a big, big man Baby it takes a big man It takes a big man It takes a big, big man Baby, to catch me when I fall Oh, oh, oh Catch me when I fall Whoa, whoa, whoa To catch me when I fall Davey, man, honestly, that was truly awesome in the true sense of the word. I am in awe of your skills, of your writing, of your voice. It's badass, man, because you've got, you can, you're loud, like your reputation is kind of loud, but you can, that's quiet and that's good. 
Yeah. Thanks. You know what? Thanks for listening to it, Joe. That's the first time I've. Uh, I, it's the first time it's ever been recorded, and, and uh, that was an honor. And thanks for having me here, man. Oh, it's it, the pleasure is mine. Keep making great music out there in the world, Davey. Thank you so much. Thanks for supporting the show, and maybe I'll see you on the two hundredth episode. All right. And that's it. 14 interviews with 15 artists spanning three years and 100 episodes of Independence Day. If you've made it this far, please stop by indepthday.com, like or follow the show at facebook.com slash indepthday, and follow the show on Twitter at indepthday. We had a great time with the live event at Chloe's at Golden Road on January 22nd, and thank you to everyone who came out to show their support. Many thanks go to Sarah Barker, Kim Grant, Lauren Greenwood and Tony Yano from Chloe's and Golden Road Brewing, Jay Lawden, Eugene Edwards, Julie Smith, Nick Capel, and each and every one of the guests who has appeared on Independence Day. I couldn't do the show without the help of the incomparable Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, Sally Shackleton, and Valentino Rivera, who has been the backbone of the show since day one. And take a bow, Tony Piscotti. Thank you for keeping the ID website on the rails. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society, and additional music for this episode was composed by guests who have appeared on the show. Thank you for listening and supporting independent music. And if you do anything at all, please be good to one another. <laughs>